Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Come in <laughs> to the podcast. Just play the clip out of your phone right now. This movie has no quotes page, has no tagline. This is the thing that I found funniest in the entire movie. I filmed it and sent it to David. <laughs> it's also, the clip starts with him seemingly looking straight at the lens as if waiting for Demi to give him action. Right. And then he refocuses his energy towards the door. Well, that, yeah. And that's when the energy of the movie flips. Entirely. On purpose. Yes. So look. We, we're not going to preserve the reveal, the quote-unquote reveal. Spoilers. He's dying the whole movie, and it's yeah. a fever dream. It was all a dream. It was all a dream. We're spoiling it right away. I apologize to all the, the people who have not yet watched a master build. Which is all of the people. Yes. I believe if you read, like, the book, the Criterion booklet, it spoils it. I mean, yeah. I think it's in there. By Michael know. Sregow. Correct. Yeah, I saw Correct. But I this saw, movie is— I saw Sregow's byline. I, I saw Sregow on the street and called him he out. Used to write, he used to write for the Boston Phoenix. Mm. When I when I and I read him then when I was growing up, sure. Yeah, in Brookline, Mass. Brookline, Massachusetts. Wearing the hat. Well, you're wearing the hat right now. I'm wearing a hat of a different town that looks like Brookline. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you know that that I used to write? Used to write for the Boston summer internship at the Boston Phoenix in 2005. So were you on the Master Builder beat or what were you mostly? It was just just I was I mean it was nine years before the movie was coming out. I was people were talking about it. They're in development. I mean, no, it's this was camped outside. Will Demi ever get to? Will Demi? Will Demi and Sean and? Gregory. What's his name? Gregory ever yeah. get to make their passion prod? Right. Yeah. I mean, Sean, of course, was constantly being spotted on top of buildings, yeah. walking around, getting ready for the role. <laughs> I'm climbing to the pyre. What does he say? I don't know. Right to the top. Right to the top. <laughs> As if I remember anything from this movie I watched last night. David and I had the exact same response. We were almost texting it to each other at the exact same time while watching this movie. We were pretty much watching it uh, in, in unison, in sync, yes, yes. over text, checking in with each other. And we were like, how is it possible? We were in unison because I caught up with you because you had to keep pausing it from boredom. I started watching it. No offense it. to a master yeah. builder. I started Some wa- offense. Spoiler, this movie's very boring. <laughs> I started watching it an hour and a half before David, and he caught up to me. Because <laughs> Griffin, I guess you just had to keep going to like make a pot of tea or whatever, just to, like whatever's going to get me through this. I said, well, no, this is another answer. line. <laughs> By by thirty minutes, we were at, caught up with each other. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, the honest answer was I kept on pausing every two minutes to read more articles about how the Playmobil movie got financed. <laughs> That's true. I would get so. Can bored we just with talk it. about that? We're, we're yes. definitely going to have a good twenty minutes on the Playmobil no movie. There's a lot you probably don't know. Yes, a lot David we should get into. I don't know so, anything about it until this moment. So you, deep into you this. know the toys Playmobil. I'm assuming that's probably yeah, where, you're, yeah. that's yeah, where yeah, your yeah. knowledge ends. That there yeah. are toys Playmobil. Toys. I mean, this is yeah. the real beat David and I have been on. We've been doing some research, and this episode's going to be hard hitting journalism breaking down Play- the Playmobil movie. Playmobil was the weird. European surreal version of minifigs yes. of Lego minifigs. Yes, right, right. Because right, right. there were some taller? very strange. Yes, yes. And there's some strange playsets. Yeah, well, because a lot of look, we're going to get to the Playmobil movie. Right. It's going to take up at least forty minutes. <laughs> wow, we just doubled it. Yeah, <laughs> the prediction of time is taking up. <laughs> but can we can we set a, a a strict time limit 
about how long we're going to talk about the master builder. Okay, so, so yeah. that the listeners can Five, just skip it. Six minutes. Yeah. <laughs> they can find it in the timeline. Let's cap it at two. Sorry, a ma- right? master builder. Yes, uh, that's right. It's a, a master, master builder. What a difference an A makes. That's yeah. how the Criterion essay begins. I really read that oh, Criterion come on, essay. Straight, no. <laughs> I'm yeah. Not kidding. That is that is the opening line. Is what, what a difference, difference an A makes. I look. He's trying to write because that's. I was like, who was handed the unfortunate? Obviously, writing an essay in a Criterion yeah. collection booklet could be a nice. Little Laurel, you know, for a right, critic, right. and it's like, who's like, we'd love you to write about Jonathan Demme's a master builder. Well, there's there's something so apt to that because the <laughs> play is a meditation little... on an older man realizing that his career is coming to an end, uh-huh. and and and, his, and and life and right. and life yes, as yes. as life as well. Spoiler alert! Right. But but that's you know. The, the you don't I mean it's pretty obvious at the beginning the dude's gonna die. He's in a hospital bed. Well, he's in a hospital bed. <laughs> and he's going in his Come house. In. Hey, I spoiled a lot. I didn't spoil that much. Come but in. How, like, like how apt is it? Like Michael Sray goes, like how will I know when my career as a critic is coming to an end? <laughs> right, exactly. Ring, ring. There's a knock on the door. Yeah. Come in. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Hi, it's us from Criterion. Oh, I'm still relevant. Thank you. Your your assignment is a master builder. We want you to write the essay for Jonathan Demme's You Had Me at Demi, a master builder. Wait a second. <laughs> Wait a what now? Uh, let me climb up this fire and throw myself <laughs> off. That's how Michael Strago died. Look, look, I always enjoyed his writing. Yeah. I'm sure he's uh-huh. still a terrific writer. I think he's and so, yeah. plenty of good work ahead of him. I think the essay is more engaging than the film. Honestly, yes. I what was the is. line that you texted me what from it? Today makes, oh, where he called him. He called it a lucid fantasia, and I was like, "The exact phrase that was rattling around in my old noggin the entire time I was." I walking. could. I was gripping the seats of my chair. It was such a fantasia. <laughs> this thing's dancing off the screen. Well, I I wanted to spoil the fact that. Uh-huh. All right, you guys saw it yesterday. Yes, right. I saw it this morning. Okay, okay sure. oh, so you're. Super I mean, I considered really rolling fresh. the dice on a morning viewing. I did too. Yeah, but I decided to to punch it out last night. My my big thing was I thought like, do I watch it now or do I wake up early and watch it tomorrow? And I was like, if I wake up and watch this, I will fall back asleep. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one fear. Right? Yeah, so, I was right. I was I my uh, my wife stayed home sick today. She teaches high school. Yes, congratulations. I said everyone's sick right now. Yeah, so it's a real I've got sick a little time. I got a little sniffles as well, yeah, and I yeah. apologize to all. And, of and and what a coincidence too, because I know I. You, we've talked about this off mic, but David's fiance, of course, is also a teacher. Uh, Forky, star of the new Disney series, Forky asks a question, in which Forky teaches, Forky the, teaches audience. the world about life and money. Uh, I never run out of parallels. I know, I know, you never do. Between Forky and your real life fiance, Forky. Right. No, I uh, I watched it this morning. I did not know. I did not know this morning uh-huh. that my wife would be staying homesick. I did not know. That I would have, have had the to that. that I would have had the option to spend a day a uh, with my wife. Oh, that you could have that instead. I, could have, I, I could feel be like doing, anytime you're doing this podcast, we are distracting you from your family more, like more than usual. I think you keep you keep pulling me back in. Yes, well, we I want to say come I wanna, in. I, I want to say I apologize because we had you do the commentary for Infinity War recently. Why? Why apologize? That was a great afternoon. Well, thank you. We had a great time. It was a pleasure having you at Big Nice, uh, my home. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Griffin keeps inviting people to my home. (laughs) Please, come in! Come in! (laughs) (laughs) No, but uh, Infinity War is one of your favorite movies. And we we asked you if you'd be on it. You said, look, I've already talked about it in another podcast. And I... 
I failed to properly communicate to you that it was a commentary episode, so you watched it the night before. Right. Recording, and then came in and watched it with us for a second time within right. 12 hours. Realize. Yeah, I didn't realize that it was a talk-along. Right. And I similarly feel bad that we made you watch a Master Builder again for this podcast, because I assume you're watching it at least once, <laughs> twice a week. Oh, it's a holiday tradition. I mean, we're recording this now in December. It's the season. It's like after after uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Right. Oh, 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 a yeah. Master and, Builder. Uh, and Die Hard, we just roll into a Master Builder. When Bravo every Christmas does its 24 hours of a Master <laughs> yeah. Builder. But I mean, it was a, it was, it was again also apt because like, all right. So first of all, I'm angry because the first thing that comes up when I search a master builder is a, a reality show called uh, Treehouse Masters. Oh boy, which I would have liked to watch. Sounds fun. Instead, Sounds fun. dig into the wild world of treehouse or, building. Let's right. put that in the criterion but collection. Instead, <laughs> I had to, I had to, I had to like watch this. Go. I had to watch this airless folly. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Of Wallace Shawn's, yeah. you know, God or whatever, bless him. Yes. I mean, the, okay, I nothing know I'm going to say can be construed as, as saying anything against Wallace Shawn. Right. Except this is a terrible movie. <laughs> I know. We're going to go so hard into I the pain. I love Wallace Shawn so much. I did too. Into this, for this movie, who which is like designed to offend no one, was not crammed down anyone's throat. Right. <laughs> it's just them being like, well, we... We had our own take on an Ibsen play. You know, we turned some digital cameras on. It was four days of our life. Yeah. Well, and we're we, all rented, just we rented an Airbnb in Nyack. This movie. Yes. <laughs> there's nothing There's nothing wrong with this except that nobody asked for it. Well, and the problem, sure. that, that, right. that is the problem. And no, when offered, except no for one literally said, Andre Gregory. Right. Yeah, right. Yes. And when offered, no one said yes. Right. <laughs> but the problem is that we, quote unquote, had to watch, to watch this movie, right, which I think made us feel mad. Because of the premise of your podcast. But the premise of the podcast, which of course is a podcast called Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm David. He's engaged to Forky. And this <laughs> is a podcast about filmographies. Directors who have massive success early on in their careers are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. And sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they come in, baby. Come in. <laughs> I started giggling in the middle of that sentence. Because you knew I, where you were going. I knew you knew where, where I was going. Going. I yeah. had the idea. You could see, you could see that one down. Struggling to find inspiration. Down, down the long hallway. <laughs> yes. I'm you so could see glad. that at the top of the spire. That was the wreath you were going to put at the I'm top so of the spire. I'm so glad this is just immediately obviously going to be one of our best episodes of the year. <laughs> no <question. laughs> right. Considering what a flop this movie well, is. Well, this is a main series on the phones with Jonathan Demi, right. of course. It's yeah. called Stop Making Podcast, and we are— It's uh, his penultimate feature I, I mean, crazy. <laughs> like, I mean, it's very uh -huh. sad because, you it's know, he, he could have lived longer. He died in his early 70s. He was a master filmmaker. He was a master filmmaker, and it's it's just a weird little bit of punctuation at the end of his career. I feel like he did this as a favor to Wallace no Shawn. hundred percent. Right? We were saying this just before you walked. I in. was saying he yeah. is one of the only directors with multiple favors in his. Very magnanimous oh. like director. He's just like sure, of course, I'd love yeah. to participate. Yeah, like, why not? Rather than like, I am the man who will make the movie. Like he seems much more like yeah. yeah. What are the other faves? I'm sorry well, if I've if I've missed beloved. Them on the... Beloved. Beloved is very much. He has in in interviews. It's like that was Oprah's movie and. I was there to serve her, right. like, passion and bringing it to say, the screen. You can't say nope to Ope. You can't, you can't say nope to Ope. I, I think... <laughs> make it. Sorry. Make the joke, Davey. I'm sorry, Oprah. No, what's the joke? You you seemed like you were no, ramping no, up for no, a no, joke. No, no. Okay. Um, I think, honestly, swimming to Cambodia was something of a well, favor. That's what I was going to say. Know, that's course. more Spalding Gray's thing, project. Those are his right. people. Right. You but know? That, these are his thing. people. It, it, the same spirit that made him such a good filmmaker of... 
performance film. I mean, he made three Neil Young documentaries. That's what I'm say. sure he loves Neil Young, but like by the third, do <laughs> you think, you know? No, but that's like the same thing that made him make so many concert documentaries and the Spalding Gray movie and all this sort of stuff. I think he similarly said when like someone has packaged a thing together and right. they're passionate about it. Right. And if I'm sort of aligned with the cause or I like the people, I'm happy to extend my abilities and right. like lend the hand right. and help take this thing to the finish line. In an interesting inversion of your podcast premise. Yes. His passion project is not a particular passion project. Is his passion for being a nice dude filming stuff that other people want to make. Yeah. And he's not he's not too big to do it. And he's a passionate guy. But I'd say the major difference with this film and literally every other Jonathan Demme film I have ever seen is you do not feel any of his fingerprints on this. It is kind of astonishing That's because even – I mean like you watch Swim to Cambodia and uh, Stop Making Sense, which are two pretty, you know, unimpeachable movies. Unassailable. 100%. Right. Yes. Like perfect films. And important films. And, yes. and both are cases where it's like here is already a pretty transcendent performance – Right. And he is adding so much as a director without right. calling too much attention to himself. Right. In service of the material, he is contributing so much to help translate it, to help package it, to present it to people yeah. on a screen uh, in a way that really showed his genius as a filmmaker. Because most people would have either overdone it or just done the, the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. And he really – his creativity shines through in those kinds of things. And this feels like fucking anyone – could have done this. They could have just assembled a couple mm. of mini DV cameras and shot in a house. You know, mm. I I I, the, I see very few touches of his work in this. What would you consider to be the demi touch? Because I mean, there are definitely directorial decisions he, he, being made. He famously loves a close up. As, as we've talked, about. I, I think and of, this film has yes. close ups, but not his famous kind of close up. The sort of looking Straight down the on. lens, right. Right. I, right? I think a very expressive Hannibal Lecter camera. staring into yes. the lens, right? Okay. An, an expressive uh, camera mm -hmm. uh, that is never uh, style for style's sake, but he is willing to put the camera in an interesting place or a weird place or do a his, weird move in order to often, get at a sort of a static truth, a, he, a human connection. He has a lot of sort of color and vibrancy in his films. I'd say that energy, that messiness, you know. Uh, you know, if you think that about his 80s movies, music yes. is sort of like yeah. very much a part Sister of, Carol of like, in, in yeah. uh, something wild. And his exactly. use of environments, the sort of kinetic energy you of know, a space. And you didn't like, find that using <laughs> – now technically this is – You didn't is, find that this barely furnished empty I mean, Airbnb yeah. Victorian <laughs> home in Nyack didn't have energy? Am I wrong in thinking that he lived in Nyack? It's possible. He, uh, he's, he's an ups, he he's a, he's a Rockland County guy because he was involved yes. with the Jacob Burns Film Center. Which Pleasant produced Phil. this film. Did you see that credit? Sure. The movie I didn't, was produced by great. a center. By a center, I know. Br yes. Brush and pen or something. Uh, well, no, but also the, the Jacob uh, Burns Film Center. Oh, okay. It yeah. has a producer credit on this film. It's not even like, you know, yeah. made with the association It's of. for a museum. It's not totally. for an audience. Right. And it know, is a, it's more so for posterity's well, sake we're than anything else. We're talking yes. about a master builder. Of course. And our guest today, of course, is Judge John Hodgman. John Hodgman of the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Also, uh, Medallion Status is my new book available. Of course. Anywhere that there are shelves <laughs> <laughs> or earbuds. Yes. Or screens. Yes. Bit.ly slash Medallion Status, uh, capital M. All capital letters, M-E-D-A-L-L-I-O-N-S-T-A-T-U-S, hashtag always be plugging. I mean, the best salesman in the business. That's right. Best. Yeah. Got a plug. Yeah. 
Gotta plug. You gotta, you gotta plug. plug. You gotta, you gotta plug. Do you think that they went on a 50-state tour plugging Master Builder when it came out? No. I think <laughs> they went on a road show. I think they put the lens cap on the camera. <laughs> <laughs> did they even do that or did they just throw it in the bag? <laughs> and then they went to brunch. You know what I mean? Like yeah. That's why they got together. So Wallace Shawn, who's yes. an actor. Right. An actor? I mean, a and a playwright. An essayist? Right. Uh, sort of started out as more of a writer, more a sm- of a playwright. A smarty pants. I mean, he's an, the, the yes. son of William Shawn. The son of the famous famed New Yorker editor. editor. William yes. Shawn. I also looked at the Wikipedia page. Well, you didn't know, yeah. Yeah, but I don't yeah. have it open in front of me. Like You're some ragging on me for the second, second main, epi- main series appearance. Second <laughs> laptop. Forky buy that for you with his Disney Plus money? I don't know. On that date? Do you think, ah, how ah, much do you ah, think Forky's making on Disney Plus? I don't understand this Forky <laughs> joke at all, but I'm you enjoying it. To. There was, of course, a bet placed. <laughs> of course. Where David was claiming that Forky was a war criminal. I, I, in advance of the release of Toy Story 4, I... I had I made sport of Forky so that I could annoy uh, said, annoy Griffin Newman. Said sure. that Forky founded ISIS. That he was I would, a cop. I would make outlandish claims like that he did 9/11, for yes. example. And I made a bet with David, which was he could badmouth Forky as long as he wanted until he saw the film. Right. But if he in fact liked Forky, right, that he would have to marry him. Right. Right. And so David, who had spent years in a very loving relationship with a wonderful woman, unfortunately now is instead engaged to Forky. Uh-huh. And they are actively planning their wedding. Of course. So anytime we reference David planning his wedding, it is, of course, canonically to Forky. Oh, you're so right. It well, would congrats. not be to anyone so, yeah. else. I, I am actually now interested in Wallace Shawn's Wikipedia page, now that we've been ragging on me so hard. Can yeah. I make a comparison, though? A thing that kind of hit me as I was doing the Shawn research? Mm. I feel like Wallace Shawn, in certain ways, has a career that's a little parallel to yours. Oh, if only. I would love that. Well, hey, I mean, you're still 40 years away from your master builder. You have time to get there. I think he was 76 when he filmed this. Okay, so 50 years away? Uh, yes, keep going. <laughs> 67? <laughs> so, no, uh, no, I'm I'm closing in on Wallace Shawn fast. No, you're not. I would love. Wallace I always Shawn. loved Wallace Shawn. Yeah. Like that, truly, when I was mm-hmm. when I was a young weirdo yes. watching movies, yeah. that was my representation. But well, that's that where I, great, I saw, that was I saw hitting me. me. Right, because the, he was a guy who was like a man of letters. Yes. You know, came yeah. from this very literary background, right. was this playwright and would be in his own plays, but was not, I think, thought of primarily as an actor. I did not come from a literary background, by the way. But you are a man of letters. Uh, but I, yeah, but self-made. Yes. Not like him. From the dirt of yeah. Brookline, Mass. Yeah, that's right, from the, um, the hard streets of yeah. Brookline, Massachusetts. I mean, the thing about you know, Wallace Shawn, though, is like- I my way up to McSweeney's. When you Google, like, young Wallace Shawn, yes. you see right. a bald man. Like, I can't yeah. find never, a picture of him I, Well, and that's head. also what yeah. I saw in him, was someone who was old from the moment he was young, which is how Correct. I felt. Right. But the thing that's crazy, and then you can speak never more saw Never saw my dinner with Andre, though. I've never seen it. Really? It's, never seen it's, it. That is good. I presume yeah. this was a sequel. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's a spiritual companion. Criterion packaged it as a box set. Yes. This, With this and Vanya on 42nd Street. Oh, okay. They're like, that's oh, the so list the Andre trilogy. Gregory ones, the Three right. Wallace Shawn, Andre Gregory right. collaboration. Right. The first two of which were directed by Louis Malle. Yes. Mm-hmm. And felt like he was the important sort of third piece in their dynamic. Right. And then he had passed, obviously, by the point that Demi directed this. Mm-hmm. So Wallace Shawn... Translated Henrik Ibsen's 
master builder. He claims he knows Norwegian, or at least you would yeah. have to make that claim if you were going to claim you translated it. <laughs> at least has an understanding of Norwegian. But he, before, worked, he worked through Google Translate. Before we go, I just want to Sean Gloss. Babelfish did have a screenwriting credit right. on this okay. one, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Before we Apple get into this, fish. we're gonna yes, we should talk about yes. Well, Sean, man of letters, uh-huh. wrote these plays that were like. In the '70s, controversial, yeah. right? You know, he was like a transgressive. Oh, I'm sorry. Am, I, am I getting ahead? Am no, I getting ahead of our conversation by trying to give the listener just want, something to hang on to? I just want to also <laughs> some basic background of what we're talking about. That in the 1990s, when I am a young boy watching right. pop culture, yeah. Wallace Shawn is he's the dinosaur in Toy Story. Mr. Yes, Rat. He's the nice teacher in Clueless. Yes, and he right. is the Grand Nagus Zek in Deep Space Nine. He's in like three pop culture things that are I very crucial for me. I yeah. forgot that he was as a, a young boy. Deep Space Niney. And even as a young boy, I think pretty quickly I realized, like, just, oh, this is just awesome. have a moment for Rene Aubergenois. Oh, the great. I mean, really the great. I mean, really the great. From the cast yeah. of my favorite movie of all time, Bruce McCloud. Bruce McCloud, he's in that. He's in many a great movie. And he, he's the uh, angry chef in um, The Little Mermaid. Yes. Like, there's so many things where you're like, oh, that's, oh, that's him right. too. You know, yes. like, uh, he and uh, Carol Spinney died on the same day. They did. Wow. And uh, uh, I, both two of my I, favorite Birdmen. Because in Bruce McCloud, he plays a lecturer who slowly turns into a bird. That's true. I was, I'm just, I'm just uh, shouting out. Also, my, I'm my gonna, bird. something I happen to know: <coughs> a great dad. Really, oh, yeah. with his son Remy Abujanwa, oh, right, right, right. another great actor, who's also right. a terrific actor yeah. and a great guy. But he spoke highly of his Very parenting. Yeah. yeah, like that's great. He seemed like a decent dude. He did seem like a really sweet guy. I know a couple of people who had like interviewed him or what, and said that mm-hmm. he was, you know, above and beyond gentlemanly, and yeah. you know, all that. All right, but, uh, but anyway, but it's so just funny to think Wallace about Wallace Shawn was on is, Deep Space Nine, but like Toy Story right. and Clueless, yeah. three right. very big things for me when I was yeah. like right in that mid '90s zone, right? And uh, but then uh, yeah, also a, I don't and the Princess Bride, the I Princess mean, Bride, another children's you know yeah. young person's class. But but this is the thing that I find interesting is that he was like you know this very like intellectual man. Who like on his Wikipedia was like he considered being a diplomat. Like he was right. like not sure what he wanted right. to do in his career. Ended up becoming a playwright. Was in like yeah. very heady sort of like New York theater communities. Yeah. Then started appearing in his own plays. His plays were much contested where people thought he was like brilliant or a fraud. Right. And right. then slowly. His, a thought in three parts was debated in parliament over pornographic content in what the par- 70s. What parliament? The United Kingdom's parliament. How would you even know, know that? that? Well, one, Wikipedia. Two, of course, <laughs> as, a, as an Englishman, I, I know all what? of parliament's debates. <laughs> you have to memorize them, right, for your A-levels? Every yeah. single one. They're like, we began in 1205. <laughs> Do they give you text updates? <laughs> Is it like Amber Alerts on your phone? Oh, yeah. my God. Um, but but yes, by the time you get to the 90s, he is just like, oh, one of those like completely reliable comedic character actors in mass appeal like We're, studio yeah, franchise. And here's why. He looks funny and he sounds funny. He looks like a Muppet who fell into a magic bag of dust and got turned into a person. That, yeah. That's what David was saying yeah. last night over text was when are they going to just get someone to admit Jim like, Henson created him. he was yeah. an experiment gone wrong because it is unbelievable that that man is lucky enough to both look like that and sound like that. You have one or the other and you're probably set for life as a character actor yeah. to have both. The right. guy just fucking was born by having hit a home run. And you don't ever get the sense this movie existing notwithstanding uh-huh. as evidence yes 
that he begrudged his mainstream Correct. career. Which is a right. fascinating thing. Right. right. He, liked, he never he went fine. like full Eugene Levy and started just like, you know, pounding out clueless direct-to-video sequels or whatever, but he was always happy, it seemed, to take any role. Yeah. Right? Like, right. Yes. And I'm struggling to think of a good example of this right now. Maybe one will come to me later, but I feel like there are other people like him who did not consider themselves to be actors, ended up carving out a weird career in mainstream pop culture as like a character performer right. and kind of always talk then, shit about and, that and stuff. And then lost it and then had to write a book about it called Medallion Status. <laughs> Remember his scene? No, but you're, you're sort of, I feel scene. like, a very similar example in that you were like, you came from the literary world, you were a writer, and then you started becoming more and more of a performer and then started appearing in things as a character actor, but you sort of like jumped into it with the same sort of relish that Rolla Shawn yeah, did. Yeah, right. And well, the because I had the the... The example of Wallace Shawn, and yeah. also George Plimpton was a hero of mine, too. It's another also, great example. Another also was like, you know, my doing these in, in television commercials, not slumming. Right. Like, this is paying the bills for my weird literary magazine totally. and living the life that I want to lead. So. And, and that, you know, there's an and, equal and balance of, had. like, you get to work with people you really respect and really heady things, and you get to, like, voice the cartoon characters. Yeah, and, and guess what? You're also working with people that you really <laughs> respect. Right, of course. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. But, but I feel like there are other people like Wallace Shawn. You know who, who I'm like, against? Who? Snobs. I hate snobs. Hate them. How I mean, about slobs? Pro. Uh, you got to be pro-slobs. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Three slobs in this studio. If, right? if, if it's a snobs versus slobs showdown. Exactly. It is. Yeah, you want to no, take this the slobs No, this is a side. snobs versus slobs show. Yeah, right. that's right. Yeah. Because we talk about a master builder based yeah. on Ibsen. <laughs> yeah, how many people would do that? We're right. here. Right. We showed up to talk master builder and for 20-ish minutes, and then we got some Playmobil business. Like, <laughs> I feel that Wallace Shawn has been driven in his life through mm-hmm. an appreciation of fun. Yes. And for him, this is fun. Yes. He likes— 100%. He, li- he wanted Let's to get together with his friends. Let's dig into this great work. Yeah. Let's, you know, explore this Airbnb space. Yeah. Right. Let's, let's make a movie about the the topic that is on the tip of everyone's tongue that no one is discussing, which is the innate fuckability of Wallace <laughs> It was and whether or not he has inception powers, which is right. sort of that what a master incredible. builder is that about. That was incredible. Even bedridden in a fucking Nike jumpsuit, women cannot stop kissing him. So— Master Builder, yes, written in 1892 by Henry Gibson, of course, is uh, about a master builder. Yes, he makes he makes uh, buildings. buildings. He's an architect. (laughs) He makes it a building. They could have called it the architect. It's called a key key distinction was the play was called Master Builder or in in Norwegian uh, Big Master Solness. Correct, Master Builder Solness. What a difference in A makes that was their whole idea was like we're going to put our own spin on it. This is not the Master Builder. This is a Master Builder, Right. right? Which to me, presented the kind of idea of like, oh, this is going to be a pretty loose adaptation. And then having nope. never read the play or seen a production, I have read this feels years. like it is just translating it into a different language and putting it in a house. And I thought it was going to be inspired by Same the Ibsen here. play, but it is the Ibsen play. It's just straight out of the Ibsen play. It right? is mostly— it's Sean's, it's Sean's translation. It is, yes. but it is, you know, the, the bones are there. It's right. Ibsen. Right. Yeah. You know that it's, an, that it's the Ibsen play because although this would seem to take place in the present day— in the, somewhere in the United States, probably uh-huh. Nyack. Yep. In English, uh-huh. everyone's referring to this architect as master builder. Yes. Which, a they term are. that has never been used no. in the United States. Uh, but and, there is a weird, and there is a weird formality to all Gary. the language. Very, yes. right. very formal. And they also Wait. cannot stop trying to solve the Ragnar problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, they say Ragnar a lot. Right. Master builder Solness is an architect who uh, is nearing the end of his life. He's really sick at the beginning. He's got at least one nurse that you might meet later. Who that, knows? That's the thing that is more their addition. 
that, 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 yes. that he's publicly sick. Right. That's not in the play. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. Because in the play at the end, he falls off the tower. Right. As they keep sort of hinting, they're like, what That's if what... you went up there? You yeah, know? right. Whereas in this movie, it's just a dream. And, and, che- and Chekhov yeah. plays, you got guns on mantelpieces. Exactly. Ibsen's yeah. tower. And, yes. and Ibsen plays, you got wreaths on tops of towers. Right. And this yeah. is very important because the master builder is nearing the end of his life. Uh-huh. Uh, he is no longer he is no he is no longer interested or capable in making his most famous uh, his most famous architectural detail, which mm-hmm. is to add, to add phallic towers to everything. <laughs> but also, he, li- he literally can't get an erection anymore. He also doesn't <laughs> want to cede control to anyone else. He's That's like, right. I hate doing this. I no longer get excited. I don't right. think it's worth giving them my art. And Ragnar's like, I can step up, and he's like, Fuck Inconceivable. You. <laughs> Come, Come in. in, go away. <laughs> it is a play. It is uh, you know a, a play about many. Th- like you know, watching this, I'd never read the play. Yeah, and I'm like, you know what? This is a goddamn English class. Yep, but it's kind of interesting. Yeah, but I mean, kind of. I'm glad to have been introduced to this play. I I'm, I never. I'm glad that through watching this movie, I never need to read or see a production of this play, sure. and I can act as if I know Henrik Ebsen. Let me yeah. say this: a master builder. I feel like if we saw if we, the three of the us just rolled builder. up to a Broadway or off-Broadway production of a master builder, yeah. we'd probably get a lot more out of it. Well, I think so theater too. belongs in theaters, Agreed. and yes. it's far more engaging when you're really locked in with it, right? You yeah. know, like. Uh, and uh, when people call things stagey, sometimes they're being a little harsh and they just mean that something's intimate. Right. But this is the Truly definition stagey. of a stagey film. Yeah, yes. it is filmed theater. Yes. Pure yes. film theater. I mean, you even feel, you know when those act breaks are happening. Totally. Because they cut to a hedge. Yeah. And then come back to the house. So anytime, so it's a play, I guess in three acts, maybe four. I, de- I detected three acts where it was like, oh, clearly I, I this is so. when. Yeah. Clear, they're cutting to a hedge. Clearly, this is when well, they were they, it, on stage. They'd be right. resetting the set. Demarcated by the set changes. That's right. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah. They moved to that back office right. for like act two. And Master Builder Solness uh, is, is, is anxious about seeding his career to his assistant, Ragnar. <laughs> of course. Who is the also doesn't son want to of his, his best friend. Ragnar, who is friend. played, and no offense to this actor, whose name is um, Jeff Beal. Uh-huh. But played with the energy of someone pitching like a sprint product. You know what I mean? Oh, no. Like he comes in in oh, a suit. No. It's a good thing that you made a point looking up his name. <laughs> feel bad. No offense to this actor. Hang on. But let there's me get like this a name. scene where he comes in late, and I'm like, "This is a Ragnar's here again. Yeah. Like this is going to be a showdown." And so he's just like, "I thought you wanted me to be the master builder." I'm like, "Ragnar, come on. He has like you got to bring it." He has like this deer in the headlights look at his face the entire. Time. I swear he's about to say like, "Well, with Verizon, you have more coverage than right. any other." Right. <laughs> like, I just want to say, you know, out of respect, I looked him up as well because I was like, who the fuck is this guy? He is at the time of this recording or, or earlier this oh, no. year nominated for a Drama Desk oh. Award for Best Lead Actor in a Play. I well, forget what play it is. What if it was like a play I've seen? Maybe. I mean, he is a respected no, 100%. and I, legitimate theater actor who is uh, drowning in this film. D- right. And, yeah. and most of Maybe the performances in this film. Maybe they him to be drowning? I don't. No. I think that it was probably very hard to figure out takes. I think so, too. To how to perform this material. I think there is a— And I don't think that Wallace Shawn was was giving a clear idea of what the other people should— I don't Like a model for for how you're going to perform this very now highly stylized formal language in a natural setting. And that's the big thing. It doesn't feel like Demi was doing much other than figuring out how to film the thing. Right. I do not— feel his fingerprints as an actor's director in this. It feels like that was certainly more uh, Wallace Shawn and Andre Gregory's territory, perhaps. 
watching this movie, I kept on, like, Googling to be like, I know last time I Googled five minutes ago, the last time I paused this movie, the results were zero, but it has to have been wrong. It feels like this was a production that ran at BAM for two weeks and then they filled it. Yes. Except there was no production. No. But everything about this feels like I it is I adapted. I thought that there was a really? production. Really? I couldn't find any evidence of a production. Who knows? There I was know. certainly there's not. No, a there's major. no way anyone could know. There's no way anyone. <laughs> no one will could, ever. It's no one has a computer here. Yes. Well, oh wait a minute, David. Wait a second. Would you? What's the laptop? Sims. Look at the um. Look at hey laptopy. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to search for master builder stage production. Yeah, there have sure. been many. Well, That's the uh, problem. No, oh, what a difference the, Wikipedia, the Wikipedia page for the movie. I felt like in the. Section oh. about the translation. No, the only or maybe, thing. Oh, you know what? Maybe it was the Wikipedia I think it might page be the Criterion for... essay. Oh no, go ahead. Sorry. Okay, because the movie's Wikipedia page is sparse. It's sparse. It's mostly just that uh, Demi really liked here it uh, is. the performance here it is. given uh, by Lisa Joyce. Adapt uh, Lisa Joyce. We have a lot to talk about. Yes, with Lisa jo- with all of. I mean, yes. first of all, the Wikipedia page for the play, mm-hmm. Big Mester Solness. Uh huh. 2013 yes. film, A Master Builder, was directed by Jonathan Demme. It stars Wallace Shawn, who previously had translated and adapted it for the stage in collaboration with Andre Gregory. The stage adaptation <laughs> okay. is the basis for the film. But the adaptation but there might, there, right, it might no, just be there, a script. Right, right. No, but he and adapted it for the stage. The stage adaptation was the basis. Uh, I guess I don't know. I don't know. I, it also feels I like. This is, this is the kind of ambiguity that really gives this movie a big energy. Th- this is what it seemed like <laughs> to me. Like he staged this adaptation, yeah. his translation at some point. Yeah. But this movie feels like they were coming off of a six weeks <laughs> run and just said, hey, can we just film this? Just thing? film it for, it feels like something that was filmed for posterity, for yeah. the historical record. Which it feels like this cast was not doing a production of this play in the time before this movie was shot. If he staged this, it feels like it happened 10 plus years earlier. Well, who knows? Oh, I can, see what I, you're can I jump in that say that the variety review implies that this was 14 years in the making. Right. Right. That's that's exactly what Why we were talking about. Why didn't they have that's the tagline back when you were covering... epic adventure 14 years in the making? <laughs> back when you were covering the development of a master builder yeah. at the Boston Phoenix. Of course, exactly. Right. When I was on the Builder years Beat. In the making. This, well, was a, this was a passion project for Wallace Shawn. Yes. Obviously, and Andre Gregory. That is the most important context whatever. for this film, which is uh, My Dinner with Andre was kind of this landmark art house film. Yes. Yeah. And that it was, here are these two like dramaturgical guys. Right who are no one's idea of con- conventional movie stars. Wallace Shawn has started developing more of a character actor career. but was In my- 81, not really. Yeah, right, I my feel like this was his breakout. Yes. Like, people were like, let's, let's make that guy the voice of a He'd been in a couple Woody Allen movies. He, he had he made tiny so appearances and things. He was a New York intellectual type. Right, right. and they, they wrote a script based off of the conversations that they would have. Right. What on paper sounds like the most uh, self-indulgent up, up and least movie. dramatic. Right, right. right. You know, dramatically engaging sort of text possibly. Right. Yeah. Superman, not... you'll believe a man can fly. You know, my dinner with Andre, you'll believe two people can eat. But they go to Louis <laughs> Mal, yeah. very respected filmmaker. Right. And he liked the challenge of how can you take this thing that is inherently uncinematic, just right. two guys having an intellectual conversation around a table and try to make a movie out of it. And it becomes a bit of a punchline, but not only does it work, but it becomes a bit of a crossover success. Right. Yeah. And people were like, you won't believe this. It's actually exciting. Yeah. It was like the intellectual equivalent of Deep Throat. In the uh, 70s uh, where people uh, were like, I don't usually see stuff like this, but I guess I got it, right? Yeah, Everyone's right. talking about how much these guys talk. Even the slobs were like, I guess the snobs got something. They got yeah. unbiased this right. time. Right. Yeah. And getting you gotta like— You've got to love that conversation because there's a funny-looking, funny-sounding guy in it. I think that's the X factor is that right. Wallace Shawn is so innately kind of engaging likeable. to watch yeah. and likable and funny that he makes the film a little more uh, accessible 
than it would be otherwise. Yeah. And then kind of off of that, his character actor career really takes off. And Princess Bride is the real turning point where once you've put him in a different context, you're no longer just having him play a New York intellectual, but you're going, oh, you could apply this energy to different characters and different genres. Then, like, the the doors are off the hinges. Right. Right. Uh, Stellar career peaks in the 90s, you know, all of that. I think so. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, about 10 years— He's still doing great. Yeah. Yeah. 10 years later, uh, uh, Gregory— Did your fiancé get to work with him in Toy Story 4? Well, they record um, all the dialogue separately, you know. <laughs> Took me a second. Um, <laughs> yeah, but there might have been a table. Does Forky have possible. a scene with Rex? Forky has many scenes with Rex. I, I don't They're remember. They're in the RV together. He's in Bonnie's room. What are you talking about? I've not seen Toy Story I have 4, only so seen I don't seen even know. Once. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, that's crazy. So you still have to see it three more times. I do? Or is that the rule? Well, yeah, of course. Everyone has to watch Toy Story 4 four, four times. Four for four. Right. Four, 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 four Three for three. Two for two. One for one. I've only ever seen Toy Story 1 once. Yes. Yeah. You have not seen Toy Story 2? No, I've seen them all. Except oh, for the oh, four. Oh, 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 I, you were making a joke. You making, scared me for a moment. No, of course I've seen Toy Story 2. My blood ran cold. That, when that movie ended, I was like, that was, the, that was the perfect sequel. No more of these ever need to be made. Well, very accurate. It is the perfect sequel. Yeah. Toy I Story 3 is, inc- is an incredible yes. achievement in that there was absolutely zero reason for it to be made. And it made space for itself. Uh, and I would say the same about Toy Story 4. Yeah. I've not seen it, but I've heard a, a movie that conceptually, I believe, has no reason to be made and I think justifies Why its Why are we talking about other movies? I mean, we're here with a master builder. Right. <laughs> we cannot go off on tangents What I love here. about this is like, you know, the X factor that made uh, that made uh, snob achievement uh, super plus A plus number one, uh-huh. My Dinner with Andre. Yes. So appealing is yes. that Wallace Shawn is wonderfully appealing. Yes. So- here, he is playing the least likable he human is being He's literally ever. playing like if Oscar the Grouch also was like a serial yeah. cheater on his wife. Right, right? a serial <laughs> philanderer. He's such a grouch. Right, and you know. Uh, uh, he also can't shut the fuck up. Like I, sometimes right. I was just like, Master Builder, quiet. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm bored of you talking. Well, yeah. that's what's weird. This is, is, this is a, such a portrait of toxic masculinity. Yes. It's almost essential viewing. Which is one of because this Sean's guy, specialties. I mean, he likes right. digging into that. Right. I mean, yeah, it was like, the sort of arrogance of, yes. Yeah, like his doctor comes to see yeah. him. He's like, maybe you should step down and let Ragnar go. And he's like, how dare they ask me to step aside? Yeah. Go I'm, out! I'm 76 years old. <laughs> in a hospital bed. <laughs> and dying. And this is an occurrence And I literally am about to die. It's like, yeah, okay, boomer. That's well, what's also weird is it doesn't feel like he... Is he a boomer? Well, that's yes, a, that's the thing because this movie is about a midlife crisis. Yes. Well, it is I, much more, it is much more the plausible right. and much more uh, accessible if Master Builder is in his, in his 50s. 50s. The play, I believe, that is the idea. That right, is, right. The idea of the play is not that he's about to die. Right. It's because like, the, not a twilight. I, the, 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 the vision of... You know, grayed out Wallace Shawn, mm-hmm. who's ba- who is being filmed barely grasping for life at the end. Yes, actually grasping for life mm-hmm. just makes it sad and perverse. Totally. And there is the uh, equally. I mean, the other reason that he's awful mm-hmm. is that w- once he once he gets some privacy, a new house guest comes to town. <laughs> a yes. stranger comes to town. Yes, and that's Hilda. Yes. There's this 22-year-old yes. that he She's immediately falls in super-duper love with. Because he promised her when she was like 12 yes. that right he would make her a princess someday. Yes, that he would give her a kingdom. Right, that he had, that he had met 10 years before when she was 12. In yeah. the play, she's supposed to have like a short skirt. You know, she's supposed to be sort of be wearing like provocative clothing. Yeah. Yeah. And so she here is... they give her white shorts, like these short shorts. Yeah. 
to yeah. be like, she oh, my, oh, my. She comes in looks like um, if if the Midsummer community shopped at Land's End. <laughs> yeah, right. But we've already at this point in the film seen Wallachon <laughs> smooching Ragnar's wife. Right, he's in, he's, he's having he's having an affair with Ragnar's wife, and said, "I cannot live without but you." But as she as he's smooching her, she's like, "Oh God, oh no!" Yeah. Like it's not like it's not the hottest smooch you've ever you ever did see. No, yeah. but she is a she is, she is in a consensual affair, affair with, with him. Yes, yes, right, yes, yes. she's just um, ashamed or yeah. whatever. You know, worried she'll get caught. Right, yeah. but it is awful to begin with. Yeah, if he is fifty, the six first years old. Yes. right. If he is 76 years old. It's horrific. It's horrific to consider and it's horrific to watch. The first 35, I believe I counted, minutes are Mm -hmm. him in that bed. Oh, my God. Ranting. People are coming in and out. Yeah. And then he says, come in. And Dave and I are texting. Dave and I are texting each other at this point. And we're like, oh, there's a little energy. Because he gets up. Right. (laughs) No, no, but we're like, first 30 minutes, we're texting each other and we're like, this is one of the least engaging things I've ever watched. Right. right? But I'm like, the one thing I find kind of interesting is Wallace Shawn playing so much against his type. Sure. Even if I find this character repellent, there is something kind of interesting trying to, you know, grasp for any silver linings here to watching him play so quiet and so angry. Because that's not usually the energy he is asked to contribute to films, right? right? And then at the 30-minute mark, he says, come in, and suddenly starts playing, like, full, big, yeah, Wallace Shawn. suddenly dialed up, but then— While lusting after a 22-year-old. Yes, but then he but, goes and sits down with her, and they have another 30-minute conversation. Yeah, and right. all that energy is quickly gone. Yeah. The comedy of that moment. Yes. The, like, Wallace Shawn just can't help it. No. And, you know, when... He when talks like this. Which I mean, like this. fundamentally. The first 30 minutes, it's <laughs> Look, like he's working as hard as he can. I'm still incredibly <laughs> powerful and smart. And I will not have Ragnar taking over my job. It's literally what the whole thing sounds like. <laughs> and the thing that I... It's insane that he's like a theater luminary, even though right. he is good. I the guess. thing that I fear the most is that the younger generation will someday knock on my door. Knock, knock, knock. Come in! <laughs> but, but it is it's a, openly comic. I don't think it's intentional, no, but it's hilarious. The first 30 minutes, it's like this, like, he's like There's a literal Sisyphus. knock on the door. Right. And then a 22-year-old yeah. w- woman comes in <laughs> yes. and, in and the, goes, I'm here now. In the sixth sense plotting of this movie, uh-huh. that is when we are entering the dream state. Right. So, yes, that is when know, he's going right. on to uh, life support. Right, because so. there's an immediate, and this is definitely a directorial choice Mm -hmm. because it immediately goes from absolutely cold zero colors to literally every time she walks into a room, he talks about her as a ray of light. There's sunshine. There's sunshine beaming into his face directly from her. But that even And also he takes off his white canvas jacket and he's wearing this like weird tracksuit. It it feels like a stage decision. Like it feels like a theater lighting decision more than it feels like because the vocabulary of the filmmaking itself doesn't change at all. Right. Which is a thing that Demi would usually do. Um... But but it is like the first thirty minutes. He's like Sisyphus, like trying to fight against everything that makes him innately funny. Right, where he's like talking slower and quieter, right, right. so he's not as innately right. comical. And the second he says "come in," the dam breaks. Yeah. And the, for the rest of the movie, everything he does is goofy. Every yeah. face he makes is goofy. Yeah. Like well, even when he's his gone into his head dips. now. Yes, right. That's right. I mean, I'm not saying that this is a successful transition. Yeah, but if anything, it's it's unnerving. That all of a sudden Wallace Shawn is leaping out of bed <laughs> right, and, right. and, and ogling this the young woman. The reason I couldn't yes. find the Variety review is that when this premiered at the Rome Film Festival, okay. where it premiered, it was called Fear of Falling. Yes. Uh, and then I guess they were like, we need the, 
the box office dollars that come with, yeah. you know, really identifying the master yeah, builder the Ibsen, connection. The Ibsen heads yeah. got really mad online. What a difference in name. Right, exactly. And, and it didn't come out until like a year after it played at the festival. Yeah, I mean, not that unusual for an indie movie. And it yeah. barely came out. I mean, right. I remember it, uh, it playing. box office here. And, uh, oh, wait, I have to go further down. Uh, and it opened at number 69 to $12,000, so uh, you're, you're embarrassed right now. On one screen? On one screen. Yeah, so it played at the Film Forum. That's the only theater I know of that actually showed this that's, film theatrically. That's, that's what the Film Forum does. Totally, and I remember at the time being like, there's a Jonathan Demme movie that I haven't heard of that is premiering that is this. technically his follow-up, his fiction follow-up to Rachel Getting right. Married. Like, like one, one of the his best great films of the decade. Yes. Right, and I was like, how do I not know about right. this film? And when and I- while show was outside going, come in. Yeah. He was there. But when we like, uh, when Demi we, won, we are knew. Are we retiring that bit now? No, absolutely not. To. I feel like. When okay. when Demi won and we were like strategizing how, you know, to get through because it's a lot of films lot of and film. most, most of them are very exciting. I mean, this has actually been, I think, one of our best ever series. I agree. But Great. this was like one where we were like, what do we do about the fucking Master Builder episode? Right. Right. We immediately were like, Let's abuse our friendship with Hodgman. Sure. This feels like a thing he might have good takes sure. on. And when I burdened you with the idea that you appear on this uh, episode for a film you had never even heard of. Yeah. The thing that finally got you excited was I was – you were like, I haven't even heard of this. And I was like, John, this movie has no cultural footprint whatsoever. And you were like, now I'm in. <laughs> I like the idea no that this movie that has made no impression yeah. whatsoever on the culture at It was large. not made for anyone other than the people who were in – that house. And for like the third film and ostensibly like a trilogy of the Andre Gregory Wallace Shawn films of which the first two are very revered. Vanya on 42nd Street. Yeah. Uh, which is a, a much more. That's a good movie. I, mean, and, I haven't seen it in years. And but. is a looser, more creative adaptation. Yes. And is really. Yes. And is cinematically interesting. Is Louis Mal again. Is Julianne Moore. Uh, Wallace Shawn has more of a supporting role. With those two films, it sets a table for what you imagine the third one would be, especially as it's these two guys nearing the winter of their life, you know? Right. The whole thing they said was they were drawn to the play because they felt like coming to terms with your reputation, your legacy, your mortality at the end of your life was a thing that they – that was really speaking to them at this point and they thought it would be a good third film to round out their trilogy. It's basically a a movie about a a man who refuses to – Except that no one wants to listen to him talk and talk and talk and talk anymore. Yeah, and who and uh, and the and the original manic pixie dream girl who enters his life to prove to him that he can still maybe get laid with a twenty two year old. Which it's kind of an interesting counterpoint to my dinner with Andre being a movie about a guy who needs to <laughs> shut the fuck up. Right. But it's also weird that my dinner with Andre is like Wallace Shawn. This guy's innately interesting. Let's make a movie that's just. Him talking the way he talks in conversation. Funny on 42nd Street is a little bit more him being the greater collaborator and the larger thing. And him like fitting in as an actor, you know, but it's not like a vehicle for him. And this is very much like here's a vehicle to give Wallace Shawn the performance of his career. Like it kind of feels like we're going to do like full main course Wallace Shawn giving a balls to the wall performance. Yeah. As you've never seen him before. Yeah. But that that was that was what this was teed up to be. Yeah, and it was basically Wallace Shawn, like the Master Builder, saying, "I still got it." <laughs> and there, there's this cognitive dissonance that we were sort of uh, starting a to lot talk of about. Cognitive dissonance. Blah, blah, that well, word. The language and the performances do not gel with the fact that this movie is visually taking place present day in Nyack. Right. You just cannot ever it's reconcile true. the yes. two. Yeah. It is so disorienting. 
Um, and especially because it's shot like a little bit documentary style, yeah. digital video, handheld camera. Like all of that stuff feels very modern zooms. and present. Right. Zooms. Yes. Yeah, little and zooms. It, it is little zooms. so stilted. The way everyone reacts to each other culturally does not make sense in present day America. Right. You know, the, the mere fact. Well, the doctor comes to make a, 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 a house call, first yes. of all. And then they say, and of course, you'll be staying to supper. I'm like, right. not, not my doctor. Well, even What's like, your health insurance? That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> the Hilda Cur- character. Blue Cross pays for six dinners a year. <laughs> to, be fa- to, be, to be fair, my personal physician, Dr. Bruce Yaffe, does have a political, <laughs> political discussion dinner once a month that I've been consistently invited to and I've never had a chance to go. Well, so I guess there are people who do socialize with their physicians. Do you guys know that Wallace Shawn's on um, the uh, Young Sheldon? I did, know that. I did yeah. know that. I did know that. He plays a, a professor, a I, I college so. professor. I, I, you're probably not like a mechanic who's like, Sheldon, you're such a nerd. <laughs> I'm a redneck. <laughs> he plays a master builder <laughs> in town. <laughs> a still Elderly, but still vibrant yeah. and respected and sexy yeah. master builder. He yeah. promised a 12-year-old young Sheldon that someday he would make him a prince. Yeah. Speaking of that. In the kingdom. So in comes Hilda yes. out of no out of nowhere. Well, and this was the thing I was going to say that very much speaks to the 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 cultural clash of this movie, right? right? Uh, of of it not making sense in the time that is visually set in. Right. She comes in. She literally wanders into the house. Right. Well, knock, no, she knock. does knock. Yes, she I, is the younger generation knocking at the door. Knock knock. Right. Uh, Basically, like I don't want the younger generation knocking at the door unless she's hot. <laughs> Does not, then, yes, come in, live here. Does not reveal that they have met until 15 minutes in, at which point she essentially tests him to go, like, you don't remember meeting. Right, which is always great to do to someone. Right, and then finally explains, 10 years ago when I was 12 years old, you made a promise to me that at some point you build a kingdom for me. I held on to that for 10 years to the date. Right. And then without any further communication in the last decade, without any forewarning, showed up at your front door. And, and have come here expecting the palace is a thing that only makes sense in the 1800s where there is no ability to follow up with people. <laughs> right. Where a 12 year old right. would literally just memorize a date right. and go in 10 remember. years, I'm going to get a, a kingdom and a palace. Right. Trek from, across the country. From this person who sexually assaulted me as a child. <laughs> because that's the other part of the, of the story. Yeah. She's like, you don't remember how you grabbed me and kissed me? When I was 12? And he's like, like, no. I would have remembered doing that. You probably are picking up on the fact that I wanted to do that. Is his defense. You remember the energy of me wanting to do that. Well, he has already claimed that he has mental powers, right? The reason that he's been uh, hugging and kissing with, uh, what's her name, Kaya? Sure. Ragnar's wife? Why not? It's because one day he thought to himself. Julie Agerty. Right. One day he thought to himself, I would like her to work here. Because, mm-hmm. because I want to have sex with her. Yes. And the next day she showed up and goes, I'm, I'm here for work and sex. Yes. And he's like, I think that I have the power to make the, to change, to change reality with my mind, which is right. also kind of he the, thinks the he worst. Has inception power. He thinks he has inception power. I mean, think, no other way to put it. Yeah. Right. He's like, yeah. he's too, he's too important to give up his job. He is, right. he is literally a God on earth. Uh, Julie Haggerty is the best performance in this film. I agree. I also right? just do really you like that? Julie Haggerty. I do too. Uh, enjoyed seeing her in Marriage Story, which Wallace Shawn is also in. Oh. It's a reunion. Um, marriage Story is really an homage to a master builder. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to call it a marriage story. It was um, real. I mean, what Wallace Shawn wanted for this performance, <laughs> mm-hmm. Julie Haggerty got. Because yes. Julie Haggerty, she, it was, she, yes, it was very jarring to see Julie Haggerty, who's always so just, you know. And a, like bubbly and a, like. A, a, a lovable, yes. ditzy, mm-hmm. but smart, smart secretly 
Yes. Nice person. And for the last- Play so hard and angry. For the last 10 or 15 years, she has pretty much been in this zone of just total pro, always killing it, playing mother or grandmother in studio comedies. Right. And even Marriage Story, which is like a pricklier film made by a more tourist filmmaker, her performance in that, while excellent and with better material, is still not that far off from how she plays uh, uh, the grandmother in Instant Family. Yeah. Or the Disney Plus original film, Noel. You it's, have now named all of her credits from this decade. I know, because yeah. I watched those three movies in three consecutive days. Noel? It's a mess. Okay. But I weirdly, like, watched Instant Family on Hulu when I couldn't sleep, saw Marriage Story in theaters, and then watched Noel on Disney Plus when I couldn't sleep three consecutive nights. And I was like, fucking Haggerty, like, burning right. it up. But those three are essentially the same performance because she's a pro, and she clearly shows up, and she does the work. Yeah. And she's better in Marriage Story because she's given better shit to work with. And that makes me think, oh, this is the thing that Julie Haggerty does. And then you watch her in this, and the pitch of her voice is entirely different. She's at a very, very uh, different frequency. She's far more naturalistic. I think she's the only actor who succeeds in making this feel behaviorally uh, current, if that makes sense. Fun. There is a there is a moment where she goes, oh, and the house – that you're building for us will make everything better. And she does a little Diane Keaton wave. Yes. Like there. But see, I I found all right. Let's get into it. Hot takes. I found the relatively naturalistic Nyack uh-huh. 2014 style acting mm-hmm. to be really the Nyack school. The Nyack school. Right, right. I felt I felt the acting like no, no one in this is a bad actor. Agreed. No. A lot of the acting choices that they're making are strange. They're not and, for you. And, you know, thank God or whatever that I understood going into this that as soon as she knocks on the door and, mm-hmm. the, and the film the film's temperature <laughs> switches so completely. You're like, something goofy's happening. That, that this is yeah. not reality. Right. That, it can't be. That it can't be. Because yeah. so many of the choices are so strange. Including, you know, and I... I what is the name of the actor who Lisa plays Joyce. Lisa Joyce? Yes. Like Lisa Joyce is so all over the place emotionally. She is clearly a very skilled, intelligent actor yes. whose only way to make sense of playing this material right. in this day and age, in this kind of setting, on film, is uh, to play it like a woman in the midst of a complete mental breakdown. Yeah. Because, I mean, she is just every five seconds wildly oscillating to a different emotion. There's so much of her, like, on the verge of tears, then turning into hysterical laughter, then getting angry, then getting seductive. Right. And it makes sense if you go, this is a young actor who is hungry, who is fresh out of drama school, who's got the brains and is looking at the script and going, well, this behavior (coughs) makes no fucking sense. This is written by an old man with probably a pretty poor opinion of young women. You know, in a, a very, very different time. And the only way to make this consistent is to make her act like a crazy person. I mean, it's the whole conceit of the play is yeah. deeply offensive. Totally. Deeply, deeply offensive. Right. So awful. Th- the only way to but make— But I don't think that these these performances undid that. I don't— Or even—I'm not—one of the—so there are two major ambiguities, right? Yes. One is she tells a story about how when she was a little girl, tw- age of 12, she saw him climb— 
the spire of the church that he had built and put the wreath on top of it, which is a thing that happens. And, and what an erotic act. I mean, imagine being a 12-year-old seeing Wallace Shawn climb seeing the spire. Seeing a 60-something yeah. Wallace Shawn. I mean, well, that, right. yes, that I mean, would that's... imprint on you sexually for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, right. A fetish develops in that very yeah, moment. Yeah, she, wa- she, wa- she watched him climb his own erection. <laughs> And, and give put, it a little hat, and 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 put and and put a wreath around it, right? right. You know what I mean? Like, yes, yes. And then he meets her at, at lunch after when they're alone, mm-hmm. and he and he uh, 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 sexually assaults her, uh-huh. and promises, promises her the world. the world. Yeah, and that's what she remembers. And she comes back ten years later, mm-hmm. and he has no memory of it. Yes. And the question, I mean, this goes to the to the Ibsen, not to the mm-hmm. not to this production. Because you don't know whether this happened or not. Yes. Right? You don't right. know whether – because he claims to have no memory of it and then decides he does have a memory of it. Yeah. Because she's sort of like, – because once he figures out, she's like, uh, yeah, you remember how 10 years ago you sexually assaulted me? Well, guess what? I'm back. And by the way, I don't want revenge. I actually love you. I <laughs> right. just like my kingdom. Right. Yeah. Because you – because you, yeah, I just want my kingdom, please. And I'm going to be here and spend the next hour or so uh, seducing you, making you feel sexual potent – Forgiving you for the horrible things you've done, uh-huh. and and then de- and then demanding that you have a bi- a, a bigger and, and better conscience. So I'm going to be this this young woman who's going to basically fillet you and also do all your emotional labor for you for the next hour until you can finally die in peace. Right until it's right, so then awful. it'll turn yes. out right. Yeah, right. And the other fantasy of the last seconds of your life. Yes. Right. And the and the other ambiguity, the one that I find more disturbing. Yeah. Uh, is. I don't know how much this movie is aware of this. I don't know <sighs> yeah. whether Wallace Shawn I think that as an actor I think it's or as a translator is aware of the fact that he is a monster that is irredeemable and not sympathetic I, I think in any way. Most of Wallace Shawn's plays, uh-huh. non-translation, I'm looking are for this about dis- yes. uh, disgusting men. Uh-huh. And like their sort of darkest sides and are about sort of like running at that. Right. I think it is, it's his specialty. He loves to roll up his sleeves and think about his, uh, his id. I mean, you, know, like, you, you can look, you're the one with the laptop. You have the, you have the, you have the database of knowledge on your hands. All I can go with is my gut Google, feeling. Wallace Shawn toxic. My gut feeling watching this, this morning when it went, you know, in, as snow fell outside uh-huh. and my, and my own wife didn't speak to me across the room because <laughs> she was silently grading papers. It was a very ibsen way of seeing a movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm feeling like I don't know whether I don't know whether this movie gets it. And part of the reason is that the the performances are so odd. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, A a quote I found that that stuck in my craw while reading Wallachon's Wikipedia last night for context. And just uh, uh, the late awful John Simon recently departed critic. And uh, yes. a horrible person yeah. uh, who was famous for criticizing the physical appearance of actors sure. no, I'm uh, relentlessly for decades uh, had the line, uh, uh, Wallace Shawn is one of the unsightliest actors in the city <laughs> at the time, which right. is uh, particularly cutting. But the line that I, that stuck in my craw was uh, Wallace Shawn describing when, when people interviewed him at the time about this seeming uh, weird juxtaposition between uh, his appearance and his temperament. And how transgressive his plays were, uh, that he said that the plays were depicting his interior life as a raging beast. Yes. Right. And yeah. it is part of this thing and part of this uh, sort of tradition right. that goes back even further than, than Ibsen. Uh, but it feels like it is uh, finally uh, being slaughtered now of uh, 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 sort of intellectual giants, quote unquote, 
uh, making drama about their own power and how sort of compelling and charismatic and magnetic they are. Right. Their greatness. Right. How that translates into a raw sexuality. Right. Their intellectual sort of supremacy, all that sort of stuff. These shows that even if they were about, you know— a complicated, uh, unseemly men who have made mistakes and, you know, committed great sin in their life always came back around to the fact that it's like, but it's undeniable that this is a great man. Attention, a master builder. Attention must be paid to this master builder, yeah. this man of such superior building. intellect and wit. Yeah. And building skill. Right. right. And and it translates into— A.K.A. the fountainhead. Everyone wanted to fuck them. Right. 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 And this feels—it feels odd for yeah. a man who— Otherwise, seems to be such a just sort of pro of give me the script. Yeah. I'll play the role. And even in his own passion projects is like, I will do the unseemly thing. I have no need to position myself right. as high status to make myself look good. I don't think this this material reflects who Wallace Shawn is in real life, but it's weird of him to pick as the the piece through which to filter his feelings at the end of his life, reflecting right. on his career and his legacy, this piece of material. It's somewhat uh, master buildatory. Thank you. <laughs> and with that. Someone was going to get there first. Let's close the book on master building. You officially want no, to I, definitively I, close I'm the book? I'm happy to do it because I think I – think, I'm sick of talking about this movie. How long have we been talking about this movie? An hour. Wow. I think – but here's something I want to say. Okay. One. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, Ibsen is is really insightful into psychology. Mm-hmm. And obviously this was written more than 100 years ago. 18-something. But it is very contemporary feeling. Sure. And it, it really does feel like, oh. He was one of the first, like, contemporary, right? He's right. like a he modernist. The, 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 the birth yes. of modernism. Right. And the birth of interior. Like, and Henry interi- Gabler we love. We love uh, the glass house. Sure. Psychological realism. I believe those are all Psychological realism. Brought to the forefront with with him. And, and particularly psychological realism being expressed through uh, a, an upper middle – class bourgeois society that puts a real privilege on Victorian manners and reticence. Yes. So the fact that some of the things that these characters are saying to each other, a lot of the stuff they just dance around, mm-hmm. some of the stuff that they're saying to each other is is rather candid for its time and explosively so. Sure. Right? Sure. That doesn't work in a contemporary setting because we talk about shit like this all the time. Right. And you can't, to me, the acting was so contemporary and naturalistic that I felt like, oh, th- I'm you're doing the play a disservice. You need to play this as though this is a repressed period of time. Well, and like, Hedda Gabler. I don't a, mind if you if yes. you dress it up as Nyack today, but your your performances cannot be. I don't think right as wildly contemporary and like you know. I think Lisa Joyce is a very talented actor, but her all over the mapness and the and the laughing and stuff yeah. like that. To me, I'm like play play it. You know, be smaller. Right. Be smaller in this. Well, it's, You're the, not supposed to know how this person feels. It needs to pick a lane. Like it yeah. either needs to double down on the sort of uh, the manners and the formality and the repression of the time period in which it was written. Right. Or needs to find a way to fully modernize the ideas. Because the lines are and, all about psychological subtext. Yes. But their faces, all of their faces, yes. are all about psychological text. Right. Like it's all written on their faces. In a way that, to me, I think was not good. And Hedda Gabler is— Not satisfying. Agreed. Let me put it that way. Not yeah. satisfying to me. Hedda yes. Gabler is a play that keeps on getting sort of 
revisited. Great role for like a a leading lady of Broadway. But so many times in the last ten or fifteen years, people have come up with radical sort of reinterpretations of. I mean, there was Hedatron, which was Liz Merriweather's big like sort of breakthrough as a writer. Right, right. Um, But all you know, putting spins on it to realize, like, look, taken literally, nineteen Broadway productions of Hedda Gabler. That's pretty crazy. Right. For everything that is important about Ibsen and the, the, you know, by all accounts, he is the second most produced playwright in history behind Shakespeare. Shakespeare, Yes. Um, Very often when people put up Ibsen They're very easy to mount because they just take place in one house. Yes. (laughs) When people put up Ibsen shows- one master builder. They usually reinterpret them in a major way. At this point in time, in the last 10, 15 years, I feel like there are big creative sort of swings taken- to right. figure out how to make what Ibsen was saying at that time period equally impactful today rather than just restaging what he intended back then because that usually doesn't really land. I will say that this is – I am glad to be introduced to this play. Uh-huh. I'm mm-hmm. glad it has a cultural footprint if this if this film does not. I, this episode might gross more than Master Building. I think <laughs> – <laughs> I think I think by the way we're charging ten dollars right. it's a one week film for yeah. so we need five listeners <laughs> to, to match the opening weekend yeah. I think the opening weekend was seven thousand dollars yeah I, it was twelve twelve oh I'm sorry but like I will say one thing about it that was good sure Julie Haggerty and yeah. Lisa Joyce's scene together on the window seat oh agreed wonderful they're both amazing yeah in part because I mean a it's a very small scene it's the only scene that Wallace Shawn isn't completely. Oh, I didn't think about that. I love Wallace Shawn so much, but this character is very and I feel, so I feel bad for criticizing Lisa Joyce's choices as an actor. Joyce's choices. Joyce's choices. The Joyce's choices. The Joyce's choices. As an, as an actor, yeah. specifically, because everyone's making weird, weird choices. Everyone's trying to make figure out what this is all about. But yeah. only do I feel like, like Julie Haggerty really figures out what this is about mm-hmm. when she says the thing. Yeah, my my twins, my twin children died after this fire. Mm-hmm. My house burned down that I grew up in. Yeah, my twin children died, but that's not what bothers me. Yeah, <laughs> like what bothers me is the loss of all of the dresses that my mothers and grandmothers made. All this silent secret work that women do that never gets mm-hmm. celebrated by you know putting a wreath on a phallic symbol or whatever in the middle <laughs> yeah. of town. Yes, and two these dolls that I had, these nine dolls. Yeah. That I and you know Lisa Joyce is amazing in this. And Julie Haggard is amazing. In this. She teases out that like, oh, you played with these dolls when you were a grown up. She said, yeah. And when my husband wasn't around, I would still play with these dolls. She had a secret in her life that got burned up by her husband's yeah. ambition. A doll's house. It is. It was just. It was just like that was the moment where I felt like, oh, this could be a. You could redo this play, and it would be revolutionary to see today. But, it was revolutionary yes. for its time, and it would be really important to see today. This is not my favorite, and no. the reason why ultimately. Sorry to go on yeah, about yeah. this. I know that. No, I love it. I know that Mr. Forky doesn't want me to keep talking about this movie. Mm-hmm. Please, Mrs. Forky. I, for all of the, the decision to make the strangeness of the situation of Hilda arriving at this house mm-hmm. a fever dream in the mind of a dying man is interesting, mm-hmm. but ultimately completely erases that character. That character is now not only yeah. highly, highly problematic. By acting both as his accuser and his seducer and his conscience and everything else, but also not even human. Like there's not even a person there. Well, it's the reason why it was all a dream is thrown out as the least satisfying way anything can end. Right. By and large, people always go like, you know, th- that's the standard I feel like people go like this ending was so bad it's almost as if it was all a dream at right. the end. Um, there's that w- weird choice and then I promise we'll stop talking about this, David. Uh 
there's that weird. I just like doing my taxes at this point. I yeah, good. I can tell. Uh, <laughs> wow. Wow. There's that weird oh, choice like at the end when he's like flatlining that there's a mm. shot of Lisa Joyce standing in the vestibule with her back turned. It's another Joyce choice. Everyone around uh, right. his bed. Right. Which up until that point, you're like, well, maybe the entire Lisa Joyce character is imagined because. No, but it's clearly it, he it's this buried tro- thing. He right. doesn't want to acknowledge that right. he did this terrible thing to a, you know preteen girl. But has Pre- she truly shown up at the house or is he just projecting her at that moment as he's he just, does? I mean, the moment, in, he, in the, the play, moment he's, he's just projecting her. I mean, sorry, in this movie. I mean, the, the movie, final yeah, moment yeah, when he's movie. dying. No, isn't she the same actor who is his nurse at the beginning different of the movie? Different actor who oh, looks very similar, which right. is also confused. I got so confused I there. there. I thought that, I that was part, I don't of the, know. part of the M fuck. Yeah. I mean, the it's like Inception. It's the top spinning, you know, do with it what you will. Yeah. So anyway, perfect movie 10 It's like Inception, quote. Yes. David Sims. On the mask. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm I, look, Rachel. You watch. This I. Movie. I'm I gonna. Did. I can't I'm believe sorry. producer Rachel it's watched okay. I'm not anywhere near what these actors can do. Yeah. I'm not anywhere near what these actors can do. But I'm age appropriate for this role. Uh huh. 48 years old. Uh huh. I've been master building my whole life. <laughs> yeah. Nah, maybe. Maybe my passion project is to do a master builder. Another master builder. Another master builder. Wow. To do a, to mount a production. Of yeah. This. That would be great if, like if your takeaway from this episode is I, I need to get my hand on Builder. I'm a white man. I'm still important. I need to make Master Builder. I need, I've got I've got to replace Wallace Shawn. <laughs> what if I go as Master Builder Wholeness for Hey, Halloween? Wallace Shawn, here comes Hodgman. Knock, knock, knock. I'm coming. <laughs> ah, you, in, you invited me. <laughs> uh, okay, box office game. And then we'll talk about Playmobil movie for now. That's fine. Let's play the box office game for okay. a Master Builder. A Master Builder. Which came out... Obviously, this is a summer film. Yeah. You know, July twenty fifth, twenty fourteen. Do you think they added debuting the, at number sixty nine? Nice at the box office. Do you think they retitled it and added the A at the beginning so that it would come up earlier in uh, VOD listings? Yeah. What was what was Strago's take on why <laughs> A makes a difference? Uh, what a difference, what a a difference in? No, no. Yeah. Just um, a funny, just a funny well, I have line. A quick question. So yeah, the original shoot. title was uh, "Fear of Falling." Mm-hmm. Does that make the movie better or worse if it was called that? Worse. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Fear of Falling is a worse yeah. title. It's a worse title. Yeah. It sounds it sounds like a TV episode yeah. title. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just and then you watch the movie and you're like, it's just a master building. Get yeah. the fuck out of here. And he doesn't even fall. Right. I like, would I would be so mad if I got tricked into watching this movie. <laughs> yes. Not realizing that it was, it was the adaptation of a famous play. Thinking it was Wallace Shawn's Taken, that he was going to have his Euro revenge thriller. Fear of falling. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know that that trick where like movies that have played to festivals and no one likes and takes two years to get distribution mm. – uh, the distributors will often retitle it with an A at the beginning of the title, so it will show up earlier on airplanes and yes, hotel airplanes. VOD. And in, oh. and in, and in like a, a programming book, Right, honestly. it'll just be yeah. A blank whatever. Right. I genuinely wonder if they retitled it for that reason. But like, yeah, could be. I don't know if this is a movie where they're like, we need that like SEO traffic, baby. Yeah, I don't think they necessarily yeah. cared if anyone ever, I mean, obviously they didn't make it to Put it in a museum. They it, they wanted people to watch sure. it. It is weird. This film cost one hundred and twenty million dollars. I don't <laughs> see it on screen. <laughs> well, there's just like one room that's entirely filled with Fabergé. Oh, that also, was the issue. Also, <laughs> when he says to her, of it. Well, well, Sean has a Will Smith like, style trailer. I've got all my eggs. There they are. Anyway, like you know. my eggs. <laughs> I'll give Wallace Shawn this. The scene where he says to her, uh, "I can't let Ragnar, I can't let Ragnar become his own." 
man. I can't. Yes. The, I can't let the sun rise. I can't let Damn Ragnar it. rise. Hodgman, you are analyzing this film again. I'm going back I again. Explicitly yeah. was trying. To I gave up my morning with my wife. <laughs> this is like British Parliament. I'm like trying to be like, no more discourse. We must file into the corridors now. Oh, damn. Yeah. The, the 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 payment for your success is that you are unhappy. <laughs> And I am the agent of your unhappiness. Oh, boy. What but when he says, when he says yeah. I can't let Ragnar rise, yeah. because then he will destroy me the mm-hmm. same way I destroyed his father, mm-hmm. with the implication being like, I believe the world is only a reflection of me. The only way of thinking about this world is that everyone is just like me, which is also an incredible expression mm-hmm. of toxic masculinity. Yes. Like, that's, like everyone's a monster. So I can't let anyone win because they're all monsters. Oh, uh, it's great. There's yes. a lot in this thing. There's little things. Good job, Ibsen. You wrote a good play. Uh, here, here's one final thing I want to say. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I find most frustrating about this movie, especially viewed as I do because I bought the fucking Criterion box yes, set. Did I. That is my dinner with Andre, Vanya on 42nd Street, and this in a nice little slip case. We love a slip. They are presenting this to me as these are three films that are of a piece in yeah. some kind of way. Is that uh, Andre Gregory and Wallace Shawn have so little screen time together? Yeah, he's got sure. this one scene at the beginning, which even though it's not fucking riveting, as like these two men who have had this legendary partnership that's lasted for decades, there's a little juice to the fact that you're watching them as old men talking about their own mortality. And I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting for them to choose this material. And then Andre Gregory is gone for the remaining one hour and forty five minutes. Yeah, he dies off screen. Dies off screen. Yes. Uh, anyway, box office game. Box office game. Okay. Okay. One okay. more thing I want to say. No. <laughs> <laughs> July 25th, 2014. Okay. I was recently, I was pretty new to The Atlantic. Uh, I, I saw the number one film on this list at a screening. I remember I brought Shirley Lee. Did you review it? Uh, yes, I did. Um, and I remember Shirley was a fairly new, uh, she was a fellow. The great you know, Shirley She was Lee. a fellow at The Atlantic Wire. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, needed, I had a plus one. I was like, hey, you want to come see Lucy? And we went to see Lucy. Probably one of the first times I hung out with her. So that's the number one film on well, this list. But you just told me what the number one film oh, was? Oh, fuck, right. I just said it. Sorry. Well, whatever. Oh, boy. <laughs> Lucy! Yeah. But can you tell me what Lucy opened to? And, uh, you know, this is his first weekend. 45? 43. Yeah. And what was its oh. final domestic total? 115? 126. Ooh. And it's worldwide? 460? 457. I mean, you're very close on all three, but also... Lucy. Yeah. It was a hit. It was an a big, unambiguous, massive success. It was a big hit. A very silly movie about a lady whose brain gets so smart she can stop time. Made by a notorious creep. Yes. Um, that uh, has a great car chase. And at the end, she turns into a spoiler alert. End of Master Builder, he dies. End of Lucy, she turns into a USB drive. That movie is bug. Have you seen she that movie? She literally turns no. into a USB drive. She becomes no. the internet in that movie. <laughs> That movie is so bizarre. Right. Because it's like a Scarlett Johansson, like, high-concept action movie. Right. Where it's like, what if a woman kept on getting smarter every 10 minutes? Right. And her smartness translated into her being able to physically so, like, warp reality. anyone yes. in the world. She becomes a master builder. She's got super mental brain powers. Right. It Set goes, her own house on fire. It goes from her being, like, Robert Downey Jr., Sherlock Holmes smart, where she can, like, beat anyone in a fight because she can anticipate what they're going to do. To her becoming like Neo, where she can like warp the reality around them in order to beat them she without can, even like, touching them. She can like fling people through the air just by doing this. And then yeah. the last 20 like minutes of the movie are like t- the end of 2001. It's like her becomes, sitting like, in a chair being like, I'm turning into a USB drive. This is wild. There's almost no dialogue. <laughs> right. It's like abstract, like sound and visuals. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Good movie. 
Yeah, made by a horrible person. Right. Who, yeah, who directed horrible. it? Luc Besson. Luc Besson. There are a lot of creepy master builders out there. A lot yes, of there them. are. Yeah. Luc uh, Besson, France's favorite master builder. But you know, builder. Who is, you, know, you know who isn't? This is what's so interesting about it. Mm. Jo- Jonathan Demme. No. Like A mensch. He's a he's a total mensch, a generous, thoughtful, total mensch. Yeah, like it's so weird that he very modern. Yeah, yeah, he made this movie as a favor, but it goes against his entire. It seems to be his entire creative worldview. Correct. All right, good. Yeah, I agree. Put a little bow on that. Number two at the box office. um, Also directed by a a Hollywood creep. Oh, Uh, it's opening this weekend. A fully forgotten film, an action film. Is it a Ratner? It's a Brett Ratner. Is it Hercules? Hercules. Hercules. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, five years Hercules. ago, there was a movie in which The Rock played Hercules, directed by Brett Ratner, that right. no one remembers ever existed. No one right? would ever admit to it. No. Ian McShane is in it. Mm-hmm. Joseph Fiennes. Yeah. Rebecca Ferguson is in it. Really? Wow. She is. Wow. Hmm. It made $243 million at the worldwide box office. Yeah. Not great, it's but, you know, crazy. not nothing. Yeah, so weird. But, 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 but its never... budget was what? Well, uh, because of Is there the, any way to find out? There is. There is. It's just because now Box Office Mojo. Its budget apparently is listed as $100 million. Mm. Fair, fair chunk of change. I, I feel like this was like the next rock movie after this is San Andreas where he finally becomes like a fully in his own right box office draw. And he's finally bald. Yes. Like and only going to be bald. But this, he's he got really a long embraces, wig and a long beard. Hair, he's got yeah. a full beard. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Number three at the box office is a huge hit of the year. Okay. Um, it's the middle in a trilogy. This is July. This is July. Okay. The middle film in a trilogy, but it's part of a much larger, more unwieldy series. It's been rebooted a couple times. So it's a sub-trilogy. Oh, I think. Uh, Go ahead. Is it, uh, is it a Planet of the Apes? Dawn. Correct. Oh, yeah, right. That's it's correct. One of, those, one of those. Matt Reeves's Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. A movie that I think. That's the really good one. Is a masterpiece. I've never seen the last one. War for the Planet of the Apes. The last the one boy. I think is. That was the one everyone liked. Okay. Oh, boy. And I'm a big fan of that franchise, and I was very surprised by the responses to that one, which I thought the second one deserved. And the I, second one got. Oh, wait, what? The third one, War. Yeah. Which also, the titles are flipped. It 100%. The, the titles no, are bizarre because it's Rise and then Dawn. That's what's flipped. Right. The first one should be Dawn and the second Dawn should be is Rise. A silly title. Right. And the third one should be War. Whatever. It should be Dawn, Noon, Twilight. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Shanghai Nights, the Planets of the Apes. I don't think we need to name anything and then, Twilight. And then, no, okay. Sorry about, about that. Magic Hour of the Planet da- of the da- Apes. Dawn, yeah, right. Night, Gloaming of the Apes. <laughs> Uh, what I was going to say is I feel like the second one got respect and then the third one people like overreacted to. Some people overreacted to it, but it also slightly underperformed. It did. And it did get, I feel like there was a little more of a sort of like, why is this movie so crushingly depressing? Yeah. I Uh, think the second one's got a perfect balance. Uh, I'm a big Matt Reeves fan. Me too. Uh, Jason Clark, I I think works really well in it. Gary Oldman, I think works really well in it. It's got the best human characters of the three. Yeah, I agree. Carrie Russell is very good in it. Sure, she's in it. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, yeah, have you you've seen that one? Oh, that's you the, just didn't that's see the War. only one that I've seen. I've not seen uh, Rise, nor have I seen. I, War. I think that's the great one. And when I recommend uh, people those films, I recommend that one. Yeah, because I think the that's first good. one's got a big James Franco problem, and I think the third one's a little too heavy handed. The James Franco problem, beyond his own, per- is he is pretty detached in that movie. Oh, that's yeah. my problem. No, I know. Uh, yeah. Personal politics aside, yes. uh, I, I think that is very much him and his performance artist that stage of, isn't, isn't it weird bad. that I'm in a blockbuster? I know, he's just a little out of it. He's that movie is totally not bad. It's, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's well made. The rest of the cast is fairly good. Oh, he and Frida Pinto are very boring. 
Pinto. Yeah. <laughs> but Lithgow's great in it. Yellowwell's good in it. Lithgow's fine. He's doing his thing. I think he's pretty great. Right. Oh, I'm just an old man sitting over here now. Like, it's just no, like that phase of his career. You're forgetting that he's, like, told dementia zone. In I movie. know. I think he's very good. He's doing his fucking thing. Anyway. Love him. I'll always love I him. I love him, too, to be clear. Dude, it doesn't I, sound I, like it. Yeah. Well, fair I enough. I can't believe I burned all my bridges with Wallace Shawn. If he hears this, he's going to be so mad at me. Can we, will you stay in a legend? Love Wallace Shawn. Is that three of us? That clears it. Yeah, we cleared the board. Okay. Good. Okay. <laughs> Number four. Okay. At the box office is a, a horror sequel. It's a horror sequel. Mm. It's Conjuring Two. No, um, I. Is it is it a second film or is it later? A I'm late... trying to remember where this is. I believe it's so the, the title... second. It's not a you it's know. There's no number in the title. Interesting. Uh, it is the second installment in a I believe ongoing horror franchise. It's the second installment. The film made a total of 71 domestic, 111 worldwide. Wow. It's more of an American franchise. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's a Blumhouse. Yes, it's a Blumhouse. Is it Insidious? Nope. Huh. And it's is it a Purge? Yes. So the second one would be yeah. Anarchy. Correct. The first really good one, I would say. Maybe, the first Grillo. Maybe my favorite. Yeah. One time. That's a good franchise. One time yeah. I stayed up late and I, out of sheer self-punishing curiosity, yeah. I decided to watch... Um, Atlas Shrugged. Oh, oh the, the like strange, like yeah. libertarian indie thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, There's at least two. Are there more? They, made, they ended up making three. Three? Yeah. But they get, yeah. they did progressively worse. The market did not reward these movies. And the budget gets cut and they lose cast members. Like, All the first yeah, they one's have got to Taylor swap out Schilling cast members. The first then, one is Taylor Schilling. Who right. is John Galt? Yeah. Good question. We never got to the end. But no, I, I think but it's I like Christopher Pillow or something. I, <laughs> yeah. So it's, a, it's, this big, it's this big libertarian. Uh, movie and yeah, yeah. I f- and I fell asleep in the middle of it mm-hmm. and then I woke up and I watched the second half of The Purge uh-huh. and I was like that's a good movie yeah that like, those combined two, those two together make right. sense right like, <laughs> sure right exactly. that would one would follow on from the other right. totally yes. I resent uh, how many times Anne Rand has come up in this episode. she's come up a couple times old yeah. Randy Randy fascinating uh, with her and Randy Newman yeah she's a very fascinating figure on, you know, my old famous. roommate uh, once dated somebody who made her read The Fountainhead, oh and we God. were like, great "Dump sign. him!" It's a great sign. Yeah, yeah. anytime. Wow. I've never read The Fountainhead. I've, you don't. I've read most of Atlas Shrugged. I felt like after she page write a monologue. after page four hundred and nineteen, I got the gist. <laughs> yeah, you didn't want to get to four twenty. Plays it. <laughs> no, read, read you loud and clear. Can you imagine how awful Anne Rand's podcast would be? Her fucking oh, YouTube boy. channel. God, she'd be on the Joe Rogan Network. It I would know. be wild. She'd be smoking pot with Rogan, right? She'd she be talking with Rogan. She would have one of those Elon Musk cyber trucks. <laughs> she'd be, be like, "This is an architecture." If you actually want, if you, if you, what if you made a master builder with Elon Musk, but it's about the cyber truck? Are you t- telling me how yeah. to how to build my masterpiece? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, John. I just look up someday. Look up on YouTube any of Ayn Rand's appearances on the Phil Donahue show. Oh, good it's call. great. She's hilarious, God, her, and she knows exactly what she's doing. Her Twitter threads. Yeah. Can you imagine her fucking at replies? Would be her debate me cowards. She was really funny. She yeah. was really. I don't. Not, obviously, I'm not a fan of no, the, but she had, the work or the philosophy presence, necessarily. But she was a great she comedian. Was, she was. She had real timing. Yeah, she knew what she was. Uh, doing. She was like comedian. also like a Hollywood rewrite person for many years. So weird. Anyway, everything's anyway. weird. Number five mm-hmm. is a film from the Walt Disney Corporation. Oh. An animated film. Mm. I will give you no for further clues because I want to see how far this goes. July. Yeah. 2014. Animated film. Animated film. Was it produced by Walt Disney Studios <laughs> <Himself>. Animation? 
<laughs> yeah, they were paying attention. He's got, back. They got the head out for this one. <laughs> they got the head out of the freezer. They woke him up. Um, let me look that up. I'm wondering if it is uh, that or if it is one of like the the sub labels or whatever. I don't want to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. Is it planes? Yes, but which? Fire and Rescue? Correct. I was just hoping we could drag that out for a second. Planes. It's Planes Fire and Rescue, the sequel to Planes, correct? Correct. Which was sort of a spinoff of Cars. Not I would really. say definitely a spinoff of Cars. Yes. I mean, I don't, I, there's no interconnected universe there, there right? It's no, just, there is. There it's, is. They like yeah. is Lightning McQueen. It's, it's, it's the philosophically unsupportable Cars universe. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've told Who's this. Who's building the planes? I think I've told this. Why are there planes? <laughs> Why do they need to go? <laughs> I believe I can told, drive everywhere. I believe I've told this on the show before. But when I worked at the Disney store, humble brag. Yeah. One time I was in the employee break room uh, eating lunch. Humble brag. And there wow. were all these uh, Disney employee magazines around, which they would leave these magazines around that were all the, like, selling points of upcoming Disney projects in the hopes that you would parrot them back to customers. Sure. Oh, okay. Uh, and yeah, it's the Pravda of Disney, right? Yeah. Right. So I was, like, in the break room with a, a co-worker who had the magazine, which was the Cars 2 issue. Sure. And she was like, have you seen these movies? And I was like... Yeah, and then I went off in the spiel of the the spiel that we all love to so go weird on. That, that's all the weird questions. So what is where this? Where to happen? Yeah. And she genuinely the only life on Earth is a technology designed to service a different kind of <laughs> life right. that doesn't exist. Right. She genuinely leaned into me and in a hushed conspiratorial tone said, "You shouldn't talk about that too loudly around here." Ah! <laughs> <laughs> ah! I'd be careful. We're cool, but I'd be careful who you share those opinions around. Right. And look. Yeah. Just as just as we got clear of criticizing Wallace Shawn by saying we stand a legend. Disney, I stand you. Yeah. Lightning Queen, I stand a legend. Please please don't. Please don't. uh, Please don't uh, fire me from culture. I would like to work in a thing. Absolutely. But but it was kind of incredible. I hear Lightning McQueen has been canceled. Uh, He kachowed one time too many. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Mater, indeed. Um, oh planes, d- there is no character overlap, but it is clearly established as taking place in the same universe. Right. It's the same concept of what if we put eyes in the windows of a vehicle. Planes, right. Fire and Rescue right. came out nine months after what the first are they plane, rescuing? which is insane. Uh, uh, other planes? L- land vehicles? Land vehicles. Like, because they're not rescuing humans. His name is Dusty. What are humans? <laughs> Okay, can I say this? Now that we're in this corridor. <laughs> okay, actually, I have something to say about Frozen. Whenever you're done, just remind me to talk about Olaf. 100%. Okay, thank you. Because I, I assume I'm the only person in this room who has seen Cars 2. Correct. 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 So the, the crux <laughs> of Cars... Thank Rachel. you, producer Rachel. The crux of Cars 2 yeah. is Eddie Izzard as a scam artist, uh, uh, sort of um, Richard Branson-style rebel billionaire who claims that he has come up. But what is money? How did he make his money? What is money? (laughs) (laughs) Do they buy fuel? Is that their food? Well, he claims that he has come up with a better fuel. Okay. All right. That he has come up with a more ecologically friendly fuel. Is that Soylent? This is where the shit gets so messy. It would be interesting if it were an Elon Musk, if there was a car based on Elon Musk that looked like Tesla saying, I'm going to change the way cars are made. Correct. This is a little pre-rise of Elon Musk. So Richard Branson was like the type they were going after. The character styled like that. It feels like an Andy Izzard, a clean impression of Richard Branson. Mm -hmm. I'm crazy. I like to do things different ways. And he's explaining. There's a scene in which the movie grinds to a halt, and he presses play with his little wheel on a video. What? 
that is selling like a pitch reel on, I forget what it's called, but it's called like EcoFuel or whatever, right? right? His new green fuel alternative. Right. That's the whole idea. The movie is centered around this conspiracy. Right. This false mm-hmm. sort of uh, solution to the, f- the fuel shortage that is crippling the world of cars. And in the video, yeah. they explain to the, it's clearly to make this clear to the children that fuel as we know it is fossil fuel, which comes from dinosaur bones. And in the video, they show animation of dinosaurs, them dying, the dinosaur skeletons being buried in the ground and extracting the fuel from that. Sure. Millennia later. Yeah. So they are so clearly it's, it's a, it's saying a, it's a it's a it's an alternate universe. There's a split in the timeline because it is not after the mass extinction event. Instead of primates evolving, proto cars. They make a very clear choice because at this point in the movie, when there are vehicles swarming around, or, or I'm sorry, when there are uh, insects swarming around the vehicles, right. The camera will zoom in, and the insects are little cars with wings. Really, everything in this universe is some sort of fucking vehicle, and right. they show an organic dinosaur and explain that its bones have led to the fuel that they run off of. In Wouldn't this it have been awesome if the, if the, if the dinosaur was Trekosaurus? Th- that's the thing. They could have so cleanly <laughs> yeah. showed a monster truck. Can I can I just swerve us out of the cars averse? Dusty Crophopper is the lead character in Planes. He is a fucking crop dusting plane ding cook, of course. <laughs> He plays a crop dusting plane oh. who wants to become a plane racer. Have I? Am I dying? Is this my? Is this my fever dream? Planes Fire and Rescue, released only nine months after the first planes, is him reverting back to what he was built to do, which is extinguish fires. Of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just to shout out something, and then I want to talk about Olaf. Please, uh, some of the other top tens. Put a pin in Olaf. Pin and Olaf, mm-hmm. although it's hard to put a pin in him. He's made of snow. Yeah. Uh, sex tape, number six. I believe Cameron Diaz's his last film. Uh, uh, Annie oh. comes after that. Oh, right. Same year. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, Transformers Age of Extinction, the fourth one. The worst? Uh, no, two. Uh, is the, two is the we worst. always two argue this. Yeah. Yeah. But I fourth, think you're right. Four is really Four is really bad. bad, but it has the moment where the, the dino, the, the Transformer turns into a dinosaur and Ken Watanabe says, I thought it would be a huge car. <laughs> <laughs> it's just incredible. <laughs> Ken Watanabe, of course, playing a samurai transformer. Yeah. Uh, and so it goes. What's that one again? Is that Diane Keaton and Morgan Freeman? My, uh, Michael Douglas. And it's Rob Reiner? And that's just one of those where like, the title sounds like someone just letting air out of a And so <laughs> it goes. Yeah. Like, who's going to? One, two, and so it goes, please. Fear of falling. And so uh, it goes. The perfect explanation for why we will never do a Rob Reiner miniseries. Because the last uh, right. decade he has made ten of those. Yeah, which is why we well we can talk off mic. Um, Tammy is in the top ten. Tammy, a very bizarre film, very strange film, and then a most a high concept uh, comedy with no concept. And then a most I don't wanted man what that was it uh, was the Melissa McCarthy follow up to to like her um, you know her uh, success. Yeah. It's the first film that her husband directed. It's her blank check. It's New the Line beginning was of like, the McCarthy verse, right. right? And New Line was like whatever you want to make, you're clearly the next star. Right. Write us a script. Your husband can direct it. Whatever the fuck you want. And all the other Falcone movies, which are not good, have a very clean, high concept premise. Like, she goes back to college. It's this kind of person in this sort of setting. And that one has no premise whatsoever. Hmm. It's very bizarre. Um, I will not see it. Uh, Susan Sarandon plays her grandmother. 
Um, and Alison Janney plays her yes. mother. A most wanted man. All three actresses are within the, 10 years. It's just a film Seymour Hoffman. It's, his it, final well, real it's a performance. Pos- his first posthumous performance, I think, yeah. came out right after he did. An incredible performance. It's a good performance. What um, movie is that? Uh, most, uh, John Le Carre, uh, kind of yeah. like, a you know. A most wanted man. A most wanted man. Yeah, John Le Carre adaptation directed oh, by Anton Corbin. That sounds good. It's a good film. You'd like it. Yeah. I like Defoe. John Le Carre. Robin Wright? Yeah. Yeah. Olaf. Olaf. Olaf is a snowman. Yes. Yeah. He comes to life when Elsa's powers activate. They yeah. wanted to build him. Correct. They right. did want to. They sang a whole song about she it. She's yeah. capable of creating life. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's like question three <laughs> <laughs> that I have. Yeah. Uh, recently, uh, now that Disney Plus exists, of course, all these movies are mm-hmm. accessible at the touch of a button. Um, uh, Forky put on Frozen. Because, okay, but say it like you mean it. Like no, you really love. Imbue that name Christ. with love. Oh my God! Forky is taking a look. Jesus Christ! Forky Ooh. put on Frozen. Forky had a reason. I don't want to reveal too much about my fiance, who is of course a spork. Um, put on Frozen. We're watching like this Frozen. Relationship is doomed. I know, and if I you know. remember, there's a scene in Frozen when after after Anna gets engagement. like blasted with ice powers, the yes. trolls specifically say like an act of love will heal you. Right. And then they interpret it as well. Oh, I must mean a true love's kiss. And of course, in sure. Frozen, the twist is like no, no kissing needed. No. Famous princes needed. This is it's about not sisters. about romance. Sisterly right. love. Right, yeah. Right. Which is fine. It's a, that's one a, of the nice things about a sister, nice Sisters are doing it for themselves. Exactly. Very true. However, <laughs> before all that goes down, Anna uh-huh. is locked in a room by her mean, you know, fiance, and she's Spoiler. dying. Yeah. yeah. Olaf rescues her. Mm-hmm. Right. Olaf, a snowman brought to life through Elsa's ice magic. Yes. And he is starting to melt. Right. He's about to die. Oh, this is by rescuing question. her. And yeah. Joanne Forky asked, "Isn't this kind of an act of love? That should count. Oh. Like, doesn't this kind of count?" And I was like, "I understand. You know, Olaf is sentient. Is he alive? Does he have a soul?" Well, this is like and the then premise you get of to Ted the next too. question, which yeah. is, "Wait, can Elsa create <laughs> full life? And we're not really going to talk about she it." She creates like, that big monster. She creates the big monster too, who's really kind of just a sentry. I mean, he doesn't sing any songs. Olaf right. sings a whole song. There's a Frozen short film in which she creates a race of little snow babies named Snowgies, who were created solely to push merchandise. You're kidding me! Disney would never make such a decision. The Snowgies, um, but like, it's not addressed, and obviously, the climax of the movie has to be yeah. the sisters. Yeah, but like, it's a fair question. Like, where does Olaf fall on the like fully alive scale? You want to know if it's okay to hunt an Olaf? <laughs> The most dangerous game. This is. Is it morally Ted. acceptable? There's also a the great Ted two question. to kidnap a great and, scene. to kidnap an Olaf and bring it to your country estate and hunt it. There's a great scene. I, I, the, the Olaf joke that actually makes me laugh mm-hmm. is I can't remember. They're talking after they fall down and they're like, "Oh, you didn't break anything." And Olaf says, "I don't have a skull or bones." And like it's Gad delivers it funny and it's sure. like a laugh line. Olaf is weird in the first movie. He's good in the first one. Yeah. Uh, better. His song is kind of annoying, but he's better. I think that song slaps. Um but uh but like it's another where you're like, right, you are just snow, but you you have feelings. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where, where where does life begin? I've I think that you're correct. Is that he the philosophical or implications alive? of this movie have not been explored. <laughs> and in both But you don't feel bad about that when it's when it's under the Disney banner. Right. No. But you do feel bad about it when it's under the Pixar banner. 
Because the see. Pixar sure. banner is all about more the rules of the universe. The rules of the universe. They are very rules. They're very into the rules. That's true. Whereas the and Disney movies are fairy tales and fairy yeah, tales. Yeah, that's right. Are, it's just fairy tales. Governed are fairy by their tales. own internal Pixar, logic. of course, famously run by Jeremy Strong's character from Serenity. <laughs> exactly. The rules. Who is the rules? Yeah. Uh, no, it's weird. And also in both Frozen and Frozen 2, Olaf dies. And the film ends with Elsa being like, don't worry, I can bring him back to life. He is reconstituted from new snow in a different place with all of his memories. Like in the first wow. one, he, in both of them, he melts and uh, fully disappears. He, but is she bringing him back to life with his memories? I don't think he, he remembers. Fully shit. disappears in the first one. He melts, but is there is still like really? Sort of, yeah. Because in the second one, he fully disappears. The, first, the second one, he dies in her he arms. Fully There's dies. a death scene, which feels like. I mean, I was just like, yawn. Can this movie be over? But like. I feel like if you're some parent with like a four-year-old yeah. child, it's just like, why do they insert this scene? It feels that very... just brings anguish, and I have to have like a conversation with them in the middle of a film. Very like, right. Olaf will be okay. Yes. Like this is right. You know, I don't know. I'm sure I would resent that if I had a young child. A hundred percent. Don't look at me. I don't have young children. No, you're, I assume your kids. Their Disney like movie him. was their totemic Disney movie was not Frozen. It was some earlier. That's a good I question. Good question. Was what there is, like one in regular rotation in the the Hodgman household, household Hodgmans? Uh, there was a, a weird one that my son got into. Mm. Was Meet the Robinsons? That makes a lot of sense. Oh, really? I have met your son. Yeah, he is a lovely young man. Oh, thank you. Uh. I, I, I think that movie's pretty charming when did and you pretty meet him? underrated. When, when, when he was 12 and you came over to my house for lunch after building that church? <laughs> I Look, all I did was innocently promise your son that one a day kingdom. I would make him a prince. <laughs> Sorry. That was okay, a, I did nothing on tour. terrible on every level. I never, lo- I never loved Disney classic animation. Sure, right. sure. It was not something that I would necessarily choose to put on other than maybe they'll like this. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I, I, now I realize that the reason that my son didn't really get into Disney movies was we were, he and I were too busy watching I, Claudius. <laughs> <laughs> but that period is like Bolt, Meet the Robinsons, right. Home on the Bolt. Range, Chicken Little. Bolt's fun. Meet the Robinsons is definitely the best of that era. I yeah. think Bolt's fun. It's got a dog. I think Bolt's kind of crappy. <gasps> Bolt is Buzz Lightyear with a dog. That's fine. My name's John Hodgman. I've got a book out called Medallion Status and a podcast hey, called Judge John Hodgman. This episode is not over because we got to talk no, about the I, Playmobil movie. I, You're I just know. replugging. I'm replugging because I feel like people are starting to go. Like, I think I've heard everything well, here. Get ready because this episode just also being kicked back Elliot Kalen and I, Elliot Kalen of uh-huh. the Flophouse podcast, and I have recorded a 12 episode miniseries about the I Claudius uh, PBC 1976 Very miniseries called I Podius that will be dropping soon from Maximum really? Fun. Elliot, a lot of fun. Very exciting, Kalen who, uh, if all has gone according to plan, will have already been a guest on this very miniseries. Oh, great. Yes. Well, I hope everything goes according to plan. He's I hope so, too. Very wait, wait, what is person. this now? Ellie Kalen will have been our guest on the Manchurian Candidate episode. Oh, yes, unless yes, of everything course, of course. Goes well, maybe, maybe it'll all go catastrophically wrong. Well, that sounds like a movie I might have wanted to watch. Hmm. All right, so play, Playmobil. Playmobil. Playmobil okay. is great. The toys. The toys are right. great. That was definitely... A huge part of both of my children's a German building up. toy. Well, this is what's interesting about Playmobil. Yeah, it's like sets that come unassembled, but are not sold as a building toy. No. They are like snapped into place. It's not a ton of pieces. Yeah, the, the idea... only reason the only reason they're unassembled is to get them in the box. Exactly. It's not part of the fun. Isn't 
The fun isn't like putting it together. The fun is ha- having it be put together. It is not a construction toy. It cannot right. be rebuilt in any other way. Mm-hmm. And what makes Playmobil kind of fascinating is uh, while there are fantastical themes, while there are castles and dragons and things and that's the right. like, a lot of Playmobil is very banal. It's like a Playmobil gas station. Yeah, that's right. And very European. V- very much Do you know so. what I mean? Like yes. very, very banal and dull. Here's a beach house. And functional. Yes. <laughs> and no, it's true. They it's are like, – at the seaside, yeah, sitting by an umbrella, yes. drinking a lemonade, and you're right. like, and they're so, and these characters are so untroubled. You're like, I think they yeah, probably have safety set, yes, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But you're right. Looking at them. they probably have, uh, they probably have uh, good health care. They probably get a lot of vacation time. There's something very serene and sort of yeah. undramatic, and dare I say it, unimaginative about the world of Playmobil. Yeah, <laughs> they, they the have, only the only one that's uh, that's complicated at all is the the Playmobil playset that's based on. Uh, the Ibsen play Master Builder. <laughs> I was gonna make the same joke. <laughs> so, but, but that is that is what a Playmobil set looks like. Is this the the Nyack house from the, a Master Builder? The fun part of Playmobil mm-hmm. is that the the humans, mm-hmm. first of all, you know, you get them as pirates, you get them as Vikings, you get sure. them as knights, you get yeah. them as just regular European mm-hmm. nine weeks of vacation people. <laughs> Sometimes you get like an Easter set. Right, yes. and, and the and all the all the humans have bunny heads, yes. which are horrifying. Right, uh, and you 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 don't construct the sets, but you can deconstruct the humans. Yes, and create weird combinations of wardrobe and and human body parts that a, are really a weird awesome. unintended modularity. Yeah, there. you can take you can change their hair. Their hair yes. pops off. You can put a ghost. A, a ghost sheet over one of them that they, glow in the dark. They make a very uh, satisfying sort of clicky sound. Yeah. When you bend them at the waist, mm. um, but but I had a very I had a big dream, probably going back to two thousand seven or so, mm-hmm. that I was going to do a, like a I think it wasn't even Instagram wasn't a thing it was like Flickr mm-hmm. I was going to create a Flickr account that was just photographs of wildly weirded modded out Playmobiles in the most surreal and disturbing s- s- tableaus. Uh, that's a great idea. Like like one Playmobil human surrounded by a hundred Playmobil. Rabbit heads, yes, um, or something. I, I, and I've I've never done it. And I'm now I'm going to do it. Now you just I got two projects now. Yeah, mount Ibsen's Master Builder and film it. Yes, another Master Builder and uh, and uh, get Ted Demi to direct it. And um, dead, unfortunately. Oh, whoops. <laughs> Sorry, well, not fast enough. And he this, play, and this Playmobil project, but now I can't because it's going to they're turning into a movie. Well, they did. So right after the release of the Lego movie, a film that everyone scoffed at when it was announced. Sure. How can they make a movie out of Lego? Right. Uh, Lord and Miller, who are very smart about getting to the core of the material they're asked to adapt. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Really tapped into the heart of uh, what is the relationship that people have with Lego? What does it get out of you when you build a set? Your imagination. What does it speak to if you are someone who follows the instructions versus not? Yeah. And the sort of expansive world and how wild the Lego themes are and the iconography you can deal with with that. And also the fact that Lego at that point uh, covered a bunch of intellectual properties. Right. There were a lot of licensed properties they could There's get into. a lot into. of backdoor Batman stuff you could get in there secretly. Playmobil only started doing licensed properties in the last like two years. What did they license? Uh, how to Train Your Dragon and Ghostbusters. I believe are the only two. Right. Oh. And now they're about to do Back to the Future. But it does not have that sort of expansive world building. It does not have the same sort of like, oh, we all know what Lego astronauts look like and what those spaceships look like. Right. You know? They're not iconic to 
in right. the same way. There's not as clear of a sensibility. Uh, you can do a Google search for the weirdest Playmobil playsets that exist, and the thing that's weird about them is their banality. Right. Why would any kid want to play with this? There is, Playmobil there, the movie is about the banality of evil. Of <laughs> well, there is, there are, I mean, they discontinue the play. These are more for middle-aged men than for children because there's a collectability issue. I think so, but they they're, still they're exist. Di- they're discontinued play sets. Yes. That you, can, that you can get online. Yes. Including the one that I've been chasing, which is the, 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 the German police officer rousting a hobo. <laughs> exactly. Off a park bench. That's like a perfect <laughs> identification, please. <laughs> that is a perfect Where are your papers? Of, of the Playmobil sense of You know that game papers, please? Yeah. Yes. You know, anyway. Please do not leave outside the law. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, we have lots of treatment centers for your addiction. Playmobil the movie. So like the week after, if even that, two days after the Lego movie opens huge and becomes this like critically beloved film. Yeah. A, a German or, or European film company announces that they are going to self-finance a $75 million animated Playmobil film. How could, you, how could you not feel that temptation? Which had some weird title at the time, like Playmobil's Spies and Robbers. It had, yeah, some it had more action-packed sounding I can't title. believe. I believe the concept was a trilogy initially, a Playmobil trilogy. I can't believe that this missed me. Yeah. I um, should you should. I should have known. You should have, I should have been known. asked to participate, I think. I, well, I agree. Uh, with that about everything. Bob Perschetti. Is originally attached Pers- to write. Perschetti, I think. I, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a write and direct this film. He is a, just a, a consummate pro in the animation world. Has worked a thousand jobs on a thousand different projects. And this is going to be his first time really stepping onto the plate. It would be his directorial debut. Uh, he had worked on many of the Shrek films, things like that. So he's writing and directing this film. At this point in time, uh, Sony is considering uh, acquiring this film, which is only in pre-production developmental stages. Sure. Uh, because Lego Movie was such a hit, Sony yeah. is trying to look for more licensed animated properties. They end up making the Emoji Movie instead, but I think that was sort of the coin toss this was in. Yeah. Uh, Sony can't come to terms. Uh, the movie falls apart, but Sony is impressed with Bob Perchetti enough yeah. that they go, look, let's be honest, it's a plan both film thing might not actually make it to the finish line. Do you want to come over here and work on a film we have over at Sony Animation? He said, what do you have in the hopper? They said, well, we're trying to make a Spider-Man animated film. Oh. Bob Perchetti becomes one of the Academy Award winning directors of Into the Spider-Verse. Oh. Yes. One of the best career one, decisions. An Oscar. That anyone one, yeah. has One of the craziest made. swings in Along with Peter Ramsey. Yes. yes. And the great Peter Ramsey and yeah. uh, Rodney Rothman. Rodney yes. Rothman. Yes. Rothman. Are Lord one, of my, one of my McSweeney's pals. Yes. Back in the day. Yeah. Uh, but he's the first director attached on Spider-Verse. Yeah. Uh, which only happened because of him pitching Sony on Playmobil. And for him to leave Playmobil, which at the time seemed to be moving ahead, ended up being the greatest sliding doors decision in anyone's career ever. I think that if I were in Bob Perchetti's head, sure, I might be able to make an argument if, if Sony came to me and said, uh, I know you're making a movie mm-hmm. about this esoteric European toy brand. Yes. Um, that's probably going to be as big as the movie about Asterix. Uh-huh. I mean, it's that's what the kind of possibility. Sure, that they're hoping for those European right. bucks. Yes. That's what I like. I, I remember. I remember those Playmobil playsets with cops and robbers in them. Yes. And my favorite part was the uh, the European money the robbers were obviously stealing, all different colors. Look, yes, but, S- but Spider Man is more intense. Riddle, riddle, think about this. Would you rather work on Spider Man? Yes, but let's say at this point in time. The Tom Holland Spider-Man movies have not started their run. No, no. We're three years from 
three years off. So it seems like Sony is fucking just completely torpedoing that ship. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're coming post Garfield. The idea of them making an animated film seemed like, what are they doing with this this property? It, it, it made no sense when I heard about it. Totally. Ended up, much like the Lego movie, being a wild surprise But in, ter- in terms of how awesome it is. And by the way, it's better than any other movie, pretty much. Totally. It's one of the best movies. Right. Great decision on Prochetti's part. Uh, they hire a man whose name I forget, Tony. No, it's not Tony. Uh, but who was the uh, supervising animator on Frozen. They were like, uh-huh. get us someone who was involved oh, this is in a big to re- replace hit. Bob on Playmobil. Correct. Right. Um, and so the film develops over the last four years. The ro- rights were originally sold to Open Road, mm. the distributor that uh, was a collaboration between AMC and Regal. <sighs> I'm, so, I'm, so get- I'm so glad I got my plugs in before this. Open Road goes out of business. Oh, the no. film is completely abandoned. STX, which has been waffling around bankruptcy for the last year, yeah. uh, gets the rights for almost nothing, for like a song. Right. And the whole deal is like, we need someone to release this in over 2,000 screens. We'll sell it to you for almost no money. I hope you're pitching the story as a book. <laughs> It might well no you know, buy it. They well, I don't know what the I I'm I don't know what happened. I don't know the I don't know the outcome. According to deadline, they spend about a million dollars on marketing all in. Yeah. Mostly in theater cardboard standees. Sure. And the film comes out on two thousand three hundred screens yes. nationwide. Yeah. The week after Frozen Two opens. True. Oh, it just happened. Yes. This behemoth just ha- of American animation. By the time this episode comes out, it'll be a couple months old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, we yes. cannot stop talking about it. Okay? okay, so they release it the week after Frozen 2. And in its opening weekend on 2,300 screens, the Playmobil movie, or as it's called, Playmobil the movie, which has been pushed back five times, mm-hmm. makes $600,000. Is it that much that it made? Was yes. it six hundred? Which averages out to thirty-four dollars a screen. <laughs> that was on oh. day one. I believe it pushed its per, app, per screen like, average to two hundred. Like this, this is sad. So uh, we're like, adult tickets sad. cost how much? Kids tickets cost how much? We're doing the math. Oh yeah, well that's one thing. We are trying to do the math. And Dave and like, I are breaking it down, and we're like, the, the amount yeah, right, of right. screenings, mathematically, of the Playmobil movie that over the course of these three days have been completely empty. Is yeah. astonishing. Yeah. I mean, mathematically, there has to there have has been to be. hundreds, if not thousands, of showtimes that zero people showed up to. Oh, okay. So sad. It drops off even further. By Monday, it's making $13 per screen. Oh. So that is every theater that is playing That's, that movie multiple times a day is making a grand total of one person $13. Goes a day. Right. Yeah. But then we find out the thing that completely blows our mind, which is Playmobil is the first time a distributor has successfully sold to the exhibitors, the movie theaters, the idea of variable pricing. Yes. What if to make a movie more appetizing? In fact, there's no variable pricing. There's one price. It's just not the usual price. Nationwide. This is the big deal. Nationwide. In every theater in North America, bar yeah. for like one chain that exempted but probably isn't playing it's it like anyway. 90% of, 97% of theaters, something like that. Even in New York City where movie tickets cost $500, yes. right? Every showing of the Playbill movie for adults, seniors, and children alike is five dollars. Wow, this is no joke. No matter where you saw it, the Playmobil movie cost five dollars. Wow, and the movie is making thirteen dollars a day per theater. 
<laughs> across multiple show oh, times. No. Despite the involvement of Daniel Radcliffe, Jim Gaffigan, Anya Taylor-Joy, <laughs> Megan Trainer, who, because Deadline will always do when it's box office report, dot box office report, like, what was the social impact? Yes. And Deadline was like, uh, the cast didn't acknowledge the film on their Twitter feed. <laughs> so Megan Trainer had one tweet. That was, right. that was the extent of it. Yes. Yeah. I, this may be the only movie or television product <laughs> yes. that I do not resent not being in. So this is the first one. Yeah. Anything else? David asked me last night. He said when we were texting about the Playmobil movie while attempting to watch a master builder, he asked me, do you think if you asked Daniel Radcliffe at gunpoint if he was in the Playmobil movie, he would admit that he was. He wouldn't wouldn't acknowledge I said no. He would take the bullet because at least then he could die with pride. That was my analysis. He would rather die. Now, the biggest question we posed was, we're guys who are tapped in. We're paying attention to weird trends in the industry and box office and such. And you're probably the most tapped in guys that I know. We did not know that this movie cost $5. I don't care (laughs) if their marketing campaign was that limited. The posters for this movie should have just been white paper in the right dimensions (laughs) with a Sharpie saying, this movie costs $5. (laughs) They should have retitled it You don't even say the name of the movie. You just say like, this is what I was saying to Griffin. Yeah, right. Theaters have seats that are very comfortable. Right. You can sit in one for yeah, like two it should, hours. It should be called free room. heat or air conditioning. Right. They have roofs. They have walls. <laughs> Do you want to sit in a room, probably alone? And then, right. Right, and then, then, then they could add, they could some add and the disclaimer. If it's if you're alone in there, we'll turn the volume down. <laughs> they should have taken out, the movie to taken be out quiet? the seats and 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 put in uh, and put in desktops. So yeah, turn exactly. it into an internet cafe. We'll, we'll turn the movie off entirely. Yeah. If that's what yeah, you that's want. Just a, this is just a shared workspace. All we need from you is our five dollars. <laughs> Playmobil by WeWork. <laughs> they should have pitched the Playmobil movie as the new communal workspace. The film has seventeen percent of Rotten Tomatoes, which yes. shocked me. Yes. Shockingly high. Shockingly high. Most of the seventeen percent positive reviews Ormond seem to loved, be from loved it, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Seem to be from Spanish language reviewers, <laughs> which lovely. leads me to believe <laughs> that uh, maybe the like Spanish dub of this movie is just a little crisp, like as a, you know, like the dialogue is funnier or something. Yeah, well, like I can't imagine like there's a lot of sync up you need to do with their little mouths. Right. So you can probably it might have, have a completely different exactly. script. Exactly. <laughs> like I don't know. Um, but it just is one of those things where you're like, can we have a conversation over whether or not this is like a money laundering operation? Right. Like whether um, everyone no, going to see that, that movie that is struck, actually laundering money. That struck my, that, I thought that I'm going to pay cash for my Playmobil ticket. Right. Here you go. $5 hands over bag of money. Because <laughs> right. the one thing that was made clear was like, STX barely had to pay for the movie. STX, this is literally STX just doing a distribution job. Like and they, and you know. usually with those distribution jobs, part of it is, even if we're not going to charge you much for the film, you have to guarantee us you will spend $10 million advertising it. Correct. And apparently, the, it was like, just throw a million at it. Just so throw one million at it, all in, and you got the movie. Yeah. But it had to be released on over 2,000 screens, contractually. The movie has already opened almost everywhere else in the rest of the world, which I think they thought was going to be their moneymaker. I oh, think it's been more of a moneymaker. It has made in total, I believe, $13 million overseas. It's more than 300 grand or whatever. It cost 75. No, it didn't. It cost 40. Really? Yes. 
I believe that its budget was downscaled after, uh, I don't know, someone had a conversation with someone (laughs) about what was going on. Magically transported to the fantastical world of Playmobil, a teen joins forces with a bumbling secret agent and an adventurous truck driver to save her captive brother from an evil emperor. Sounds good. Emperor? (laughs) Whatever. Fine. Sounds good. Here's the other thing that's fascinating about this movie. It should be like a bureaucrat in Playmobil, right? Like, save from an evil, you know, defense (laughs) minister. This is another thing. That's- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it should just be a parliamentarian debate. Exactly. You're saying the Plan Bill movie should be like state of play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it should have been. It should have been a huge a metaphor for Brexit. I mean, oh, uh, boy. Anyway, it made Oogie loves money. It made right. Oogie loves money. It's right. going to end up right. well under a million. The final thing I want to say about it that's kind of fascinating is that when the Lego Movie was first announced, yeah, before Lord and Miller came on and <laughs> by all accounts rewrote it from the ground up, right, right. The original script that Warner Brothers had developed that was largely thrown out was about a father who plays Legos with his children and then is transported magically into the Lego world. Sure, sure. That's sort of the Lord Business character and Chris Pratt's character were supposed to be one and the same. Right. And the live action dad who was originally announced to be Chris Pratt was going to get sucked in and be a Lego figure for the rest of the movie, which they very quickly realized. Getting sucked into the world? Tiresome. Who gives a shit? Like Fuck, worse I'm than, tired. Worse than a dream sequence. Everyone worse than it was is all a dream. sick of that. Right? And it's then very the, 80s. The Plan yeah. movie ended up on the concept that the Lego movie threw out after the Lego franchise had completely milked itself dry with three entries in four years yeah. and ran out of all their goodwill. Yes. Five dollars. Anyway, that's the Playmobil movie. I'm, uh, I'm glad we got that plug in early. What if when the uh, – me too, uh, for your sake – uh, I, I I wish we could chart in real time the listenership of this episode. I think we can. I think we have. Like, I think you actually can. Really? See when people tap out. Yeah. Rachel, please send me that data. Uh, sure. In uh, we three are done. months. I think. I think we. Yeah. Tur- I think we turn this podcast into an almost empty communal workspace. <laughs> can I just make a is prediction? That a Playmobil set. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there surely is a Playmobil set of this communal workspace. No question. Yeah. Can I can make a, a prediction? Adam Newman Playmobil figure. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, because this episode's going to come out in several months. The Plain Bubble movie has just been released in theaters the day we're recording this, which means it's probably one day away from being removed from theaters. Yeah. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, it will presumably be on digital platforms. Yeah. Do you think that they are going to make a similar sort of strategic move to make the Plain Bubble movie seem like a better value on digital platforms? Do you oh, think, it'll be available for like 99 cents? Or do you think day one they will pay you a dollar if you download the Playmobil movie? Do you think there is some weird performance no. data where the money laundering is more successful no. if they can sell the idea? No, they're going to swing the other it? way. They'll be like, only real Playboy heads understand 99 bucks for Playboy. <laughs> it's going to be like the Bambino. It's going to cost $80,000 to get they're the like, Playmobil movie on Do we on crunch iTunes? the numbers? There's 70 of you. <laughs> when are we doing the Playmobil episode? Uh, Sodes, my friend. Oh, you <laughs> no, saw no. that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that sounds like a 2020 Patreon goal. <laughs> okay, Hodgson just held up the photo. This is the police accosting a tramp, a wino <laughs> on a bench, Playmobil set. So you have to understand, it's... it's <laughs> It's it's it's, cl- it's clearly like you know like early yeah, twentieth century. He has like a little German police, spiked helmet. Yeah, he's got yeah. the, like the policeman has a German too. spiked helmet. He's like the the homeless it's like Napoleonic is, Wars era. <laughs> yeah. The homeless man's very cute. He's got a little flower in his hat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, he's a he's a classic early twentieth century caricature he's of a, the he has hobo. a bindle. He's, he's a got a bindle. He does have a wine bottle. Yes, and he's on a bench. That's the whole set. Yeah, we should buy that. Yes, and. 
then yes, in Patreon, I don't know, 6,000 uh, patrons, we do a Playmobil episode with John Hodge. We should figure out the math. Yeah, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What do I get out of that Patreon? Why are you roping you me into this? I get this. I can get the set for $55. <laughs> $55? Yeah, right now. How much are you paying me for this? $56, right? Yeah, I come out, two sets. Come out, <laughs> come out a buck ahead. Here's a promise I'm going to make right now, Okay. The Playmobil number is going to be really easy to break down because we just have to take the final gross and divide it by five, right? Uh, right. And we'll find out how many people paid to see that movie in theaters with no price fluctuation. Mm. If our Patreon count mm. exceeds the number of people who saw the Playmobil movie in theaters, we will do a Playmobil movie episode. Okay. Yeah, whatever right. you say. I'm just looking at weird Playmobil yeah. online. You can crunch the buy. numbers on that one. So it's like 125,000. One yeah. of the things about Playmobil being European is, is that there's a there's a lot more drinking in Playmobil sets. Right, yes. right, right. There's, there's a, a lot more, more wine and beer. Right, 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 right. So this episode's definitely past its expiration point. Thank you very much for listening. Hey, thank yeah. you very much for having me by again. Oh, what a pleasure. I mean, if this turns out to just be my fever dream before death, I'll die happy. Kind of feels like it at this point. <coughs> I know. It feels yeah. like the the temperature I in the room has shifted. This episode has hit two hours. Right on the nugget. I mean, a little over. I mean, I'm sure there'll be some editing. Uh, no, maybe we should bump it up. Try to make it two thirty. Find some other stuff to add. Enough. On. Uh, Enough. Hodgman, I beg you, Hodgman. Just because this episode isn't coming out for a couple months, if you like are are sprung up in the middle of the night with some more burning thoughts on uh, Master Builder, please uh, self record them and send them to producer. Oh Rachel yeah, no, I'll so definitely she can like, place them into the. Episode. I had another idea, and I am definitely going to. And everyone needs to hear my ideas. <laughs> Griffin, David, it's me again. <laughs> Voicemail. Another thing about the movie is. Oh, and, and, and hey, next week we're going to announce what the following miniseries is, which correct. I think is, a, you know what it is an right exciting now? one. Yeah. yeah. We'll tell you off mic. All right. Tell me now and bleep it out. We're working what? For Rachel. Or. They said. No. I truly thought that I was having a stroke. Like, no. I don't know. Yeah, that's great. Well, three beefs, because you have to cut out what he thought I said. Yes. Thank you all for listening. Please remember. By the way, that that theme sounds incredible. I can't wait to listen. Right? I think that'll be a good one. It's going to be great. Yeah. It'll be a great one. And people haven't been guessing it. No. People guessed our original plans, which we then changed. We did have to change some plans. Not because of the guests, because of other cultural forces. Correct. Oh. Which I'll talk about off mic. Sure. Hodgman, thank you for being here. Thank you as always. You're a gentleman and a scholar. Oh. The Wallace Shawn of our time. <laughs> First I have to kill that man. No, no, no. I don't kill him. No, no. Just, I'm just knocking on his door. Yeah. You just need Come him. In. You need him to write something on your drawings. Just write something on my drawings. Just write something on just your drawings. Just write something on my drawings so my father can die knowing that I accomplished something, that I got Wallace Shawn's autograph. And that's a joke for the heads. Um, uh, medallion status. Yeah, that's my book of, um, of of funny true stories about me. Yeah, and and you should just you should try to plug it more. Bit.ly slash medallion status. Cool. Judge John Hodgman available every week uh, at maximumfun.org mm-hmm. and uh, keep an eye out for iPodius. Yes, the twelve part uh, very special mini series of podcasts about the very special mini series uh, from nineteen seventy six called I Claudius. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and thank <laughs> all of you for listening. And please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Thanks to Andrew Guda for our social media. Here's the thing I should have been saying for years now. Okay. Follow Blank Check Pod 
Sure. On Twitter and Instagram. That's true. She's doing great she's work. She's doing on it those. all by herself. She's doing it. Imagine the meme she's going to come up with for this episode. Yeah. The the amount of master builder gifts. We do love a meme. We love a meme. A master meme. Yes. Uh, a master memer. Thanks to Lane Montgomery for our theme song. Thanks to Joe Bone and Pat Reynolds for our artwork. I feel sweaty and delusional right now. Uh, go to blankcheck.blankies.red.com for some real nerdy shit. Yes. Next week, Ricky and the Flash. Yes. Which, barring another catastrophe, will be joined by Lindsay Weber and Bobby Finger. That's correct. Of Who Weekly. Yes. It is on the books. It's on the spreadsheet. It should happen. Exactly. Jumping Jack, Ricky and the Flash? Exactly. That's exactly right. Exactly. And as always... Come in! I like that they become famous in New York only. Correct. Because right. it's sort of like, there's so many New York celebrities who are like that. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. Dr. Zizmore's exactly. the world. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, so now that we're Nobody in some fucking farm, and it's right. sort of like, everyone will be like, well, you remember the Ghostbusters? It's like, no, that should only be in New York. Like, yeah. they should, outside only of New, New York, York, people kids. should be like, I don't know. Like, what? Well, the premise, the fucking. So, yeah, well, they want to put the Ghostbusters in the heartland, so. That seems to be the vibe the fly, of this so trailer. The flyover it's like, country will you know, you've it. got, like, fields of wheat. You don't want it to be a, appealing to the elites. <laughs> no. The, the, the premise is apparently that uh, Paul Rudd live, grew up in New York. Sure, sure. And Great. experienced what they've now come up with. They've come up with a new name. They're calling it like the Cross Rip or something. Great. It's like the name for like the <laughs> Everything original you're saying is just great. Stay Puffed yeah. incident. Oh, yeah. yeah I could Does Ghostbusters 2 exist in the uh, Yes. In this universe? Yes. This two fil- exists. This does- film is being treated as Ghostbusters 3. So Answer the Call does not exist. Answer the Call does not exist, but Answer the Call always set itself up as something else because Bill an Murray alternate universe. Right, 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 right. What was Answer the Call? That was That's uh, the, the ladies. Right. The one, with the, the one with the ladies. Why is it called Answer the Call? Like, well, it was initially just called Ghostbusters, and then I, they got so panicked by people freaking out that they gave it a subtitle that they sort of admit is part of it. It was one really. of those things Ghostbusters where, Ghostbusters like, ATC? Yeah. ATC. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, you got to answer the call. Right. Well, it, who are you going to call? Bring, bring. That, that was the idea. Right. I got you. Yeah. The idea originally was like it was just Ghostbusters, same title, you know, brackets 2016 on like IMDb or whatever. And then Answer the Call was the tagline. And then suddenly a like colon appeared between the title yeah. and the tagline. And everyone was like, is that the subtitle? And people were like, that must just be for marketing materials. And then the end of the movie, it says Ghostbusters answer the call. We're not rolling, right? No. We are ready to go, but right. I understand if you want to talk about Ghostbusters instead of a master builder. <laughs> well, we, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, I assume, that's not.